Berserker Cast episode number 25, Falling Skies season 5, episode 10, the series finale, Reborn. Hi, this is Doug Jones. I play Cochise on Falling Skies, but right now you are listening to Berserker Cast. Spiral Media presents Berserker Cast, a podcast dedicated to falling skies on TNT. Each week we discuss the action and drama that unfolds as Tom Mason, Captain Weaver, the Berserkers, and the rest of the Second Mass fight to win back the planet from the alien overlords. Call in your thoughts about each episode at 304-837-2278 or email feedback at goldenspiralmedia.com. And now, Berserker Cast. Greetings, Earthlings. Salutations to you. Welcome to the new world. I'm Daryl. And I'm Emily. And here to my left is Daryl. Huh? Aren't you to my left? Um, uh, well, if I'm not talking, yes, but now I'm talking, so you're to my right. <laughs> Elbow you. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, you didn't let me introduce you. I was totally going to do it this week. Hey, I've given I up. Like, I have start. given up faith in you to introduce me. I will do it, it myself. The last show, I'm like, I'm going to get this right. It takes me the whole season. <laughs> uh, well, you had your chances oh, and you blew it. I know. Oh well. Moving on. Yes. Hey guys, we're back for the finale <laughs> episode of Falling Skies. Can you even believe it's here right now? Well, you know, in some ways, yes, obviously, because we've been trudging through it all season, uh, and, and in a lot of ways, I do feel trudging. But, uh, but man, it has gone by so fast, and it's the end of an era. It's the end of a f- of falling skies, the the series that we have loved for five years now. So, mm-hmm. in that in that sense, no, no, yeah. yeah, that's that's the sentiment I was looking for. Not, yeah. I, I'm not. It's like there's a difference between glad that it's over, <laughs> yeah, and sad that we've lost a fantastic. Well, I don't even know how to finish that sentence. I will say, today, this morning, mm-hmm. I went back and watched the premiere of Falling Skies. Oh, did you know? I watched just like the first five, maybe ten minutes of it. Okay. But I was just, I was so, I was looking for something to to really get me excited about this show, or this uh-huh. podcast. Not because it was a terrible finale, but just because it didn't have the kind of heart that I was looking for. Yeah. And man, that that premiere had so much heart and i was like it just it just reinstilled that thing in me that was just like this is why i love this show i mean yeah. it had everything that you wanted in it so when when i say we're going to we're saying goodbye now to a fantastic show i'm talking about the gut of the show you yeah. know we're, we've all we've all expressed our uh, rather unfondness for <laughs> this entire season so that's no secret but what a fantastic group of actors yep. and awesome plot line mm-hmm. that, you know, strayed and wavered sometimes. But mm-hmm. overall, I'm I'm not unhappy with what we got. 
Yeah, overall, I can't say that. Uh, You know, you have to you do have to look at it in two ways, right? You have to look at and kind of even three ways. Like, how was this as an episode? How was this now that we have the season to look at? And and then then how was it as a series? And I think Mm -hmm. that I score it differently on all of all three of those those things. I find myself kind of in in an interesting position as a podcaster who's done a few finales and, and, and series finales now. I think that I'm kind of like probably some lost podcasters were back in the day where you have this show that you have loved so much and then the final season let you down a little bit, didn't quite go where you were or, or do the things that you were hoping or may, maybe even expected it to do, whether those expectations were properly placed or not. You know, still it didn't meet your expectations. And then when it all kind of wrapped up, you were disappointed in it in some ways. That's kind of how I think that I feel now, although I loved Lost, so it's not that way for me, but I think that, that there's some of that here for me and it's, um, I don't like it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a downer, you know, bad taste in your mouth kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But again, as you said, it's still a great show. I'm still glad I spent the last five years, the last five summers watching this show. And even this season was good. It wasn't great. It wasn't what I wanted it to be, but I'm still mm-hmm. glad I watched. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm, I am disappointed in, in how some things went down, but you know, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about all that as we, as we go through here. But all in all, one of, it'll still go down as one of my favorite sci-fi shows of all times, favorite shows of all time. Absolutely. Yeah, so this one, you want to give out the uh, the the goods, or should I give out the goods? I can do this for the last one. All, All right. right. So this episode was directed by Olatunde Asunsanmi, who really did most of the season, mm-hmm. and written by David Icke, who took over last season, mm-hmm. right? And two fantastic guest stars, Jeff Fahey and Trisha Helfer. Yeah. I got to love it, man. When when Fahey showed up, because I had no idea he was going to be in this episode. He rolls in on those motors with the motorcycle gang. And I'm just like, of course, they could not have chosen a better actor for that role. Oh. <laughs> I As soon as he walked in, I was like, the Peters. I know. He comes in rolling in like he just came off of the set of a Burt Reynolds movie. It was fantastic. <laughs> oh, that was that was a great entrance. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the series finale was entitled Reborn, and you might have said that, and I missed it. But just in case, oh no, I it's, did not. It's worth making sure that uh, that is said. So yeah, before we get into our ratings and the rest of the episode, just want to give you one last reminder. This week, two days from now, when we are recording this, which is September first, on September third in Atlanta, Georgia, at seven p.m. We are having a Golden Spiral Media community meetup, and you are invited. I will be there. Emily will be there. And Barb, who's in our chat room right now, will be there. A lot of other Golden Spiral Media hosts and members of the community will be there. So please join us. It's going to be at Einstein's, which is on Juniper, near the downtown area. And you can sign up for that just so we can get a head count by going to goldenspiralmedia.com slash DC15. I'm so excited. I am too. I'm really excited. Uh, from the old fringe days, uh, Zero Fights announced this week he's going to be there. He's like, oh, nice. He just like yeah. last minute, he's like, hey, I think I'll go to Atlanta next weekend. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, you sorry, dog. That is so cool. Because I haven't seen him since the fringe finale, you know? So yeah. it'll be great yeah, to see right. old friends. And, and Zero certainly isn't the only one that I haven't seen in a long time. I cannot yeah. wait. It'll be great. 
And we had been mentioning the last two weeks about the uh, auction that was taking place. It took right. place over the weekend. And Anything I, interesting happened? <laughs> I, I, I bought something. <laughs> you bought something. <laughs> I was totally... Saturday, was I... Was it the I Skitter outfit? F- no. Those things went for like thousands of dollars, yeah. right? And like the uh, the Volm outfits, they went for thousands of dollars. And, and uh, I completely forgot about it on Saturday. I thought I was going to get a reminder, but I didn't. And so Sunday afternoon, I'm in here and I, I'm at it and I'm like, oh, the auction's going on. So I, I went over there and of course a lot of the stuff was already gone, but some of the stuff that I really wanted was still available, like the, the drawing of the, uh, Dornia, some of the things. I kind of was going for things that could fit on these shelves I have behind me and could, and can, or I could hang on a wall or something. And so I see a few things coming up that I'm interested in and I'm like, I should figure out how this bidding things work, uh, the bidding thing works. I had been pre-approved, you know, you have to, it's real simple to get approved to, to put a bid in. I had done that. And so the next thing that came up that I was interested in was the bug jar that, uh, you know, the bug that bit Tom in the season premiere. Mm-hmm. They put that sucker in a jar and that jar with the decoy bug was okay. with one of the so items. The bug is coming with it. Yeah, but it's not the CG bug, right? It's just the you know when, oh, when yeah, it sure. when it's set in the distance, you know, it had to have look like it had a bug in there. But so I thought, well, I'll I'll try this item. I, I it would fit on my shelf. It's cool, you know. You, you Wait, it, they're not giving you the CG bug. I know, right? In that, in that, you're giving it away. I'm trying to build up to this, and you're already telling them twice now that I've I've I ended up getting it. Let me tell the story. Was there any question about that at this point? We've been listening well, yes. to this story for like five minutes. <laughs> I'm trying to say this is what I was doing. I was experimenting, trying to figure out how the bidding system works. The next item that I was interested in came up, and it was the jar, and I bid on it. The opening bid for every item was $50. And and, and then like with the skitter outfits and stuff like that, it, it instantly went to like $1,000, so they didn't have to waste time. But anyway. This one started at 50 and they're like, hey, did, 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 did. it was like regular auction stuff. You know, I'm give me a hundred, give me a hundred. Nobody bids a hundred. And I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and so he lowers the bid to 75, still doing the auctioneer thing. 75, 75, 75. All right. 50 going once, going twice. Boom. Sold. And I'm like, I just bought a bug jar. I haven't told my <laughs> wife I'm doing this. This was an experiment. <laughs> so I am now the proud owner. Of the bug jar from season five. The bug jar. Yeah, it'll be here in 10 to 12 weeks. Oh. Uh, it was cool. I, I enjoyed watching cool. the auction, and, and it was really cool seeing all that stuff get up for sale and people get excited about buying it and all that. It was cool. Well, good times. Well, we'll be able to see your uh, bug jar up on the shelf soon then. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, Barb is mentioning this too. Uh, the highest that I saw anything go for was Cochise's father's dead body. You know, when they sliced him open to get the organ, the kidney transplant yeah. type of thing, that went for thirty five hundred dollars, which was I was surprised. Gosh. Like, not even Cochise and those full skitter outfits went for that much. I mean, we didn't see him very often, and yet that went for the most. Huh. That's so. interesting. Yep, very much. Somebody made a lot of money this weekend. Yep. Indeed. All right. Well, uh, I almost called you Barb. That's not your name unless you go by that on the Thanks. weekends, which I'm not aware of. I don't of. go by that. Um, Emily is your name. What was your rating this week? I gave this one seven magic Dornia tentacles. Is that referring to the tentacles that whisked Anne away into the magical healing waters? Yep. And the ones that saved Tom on the ship. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will say, though, I started at about a five. Mm-hmm. And I gave it two solid points for one, 
making me cry. Oh, <laughs> that's hard and to two, do. The fact that I really enjoyed the closing scene, which is really ironic, I know, but <laughs> huh. you didn't like it. I didn't like the closing scene at all. I yeah, thought it was almost which I a complete knew you fail. <laughs> okay. But Daryl, what did this. you give this episode? We got something to work forward to here. All right. Um, I started out with a six. I thought oh, I'll get this up to a seven or an eight when I rewatch. And on my rewatch, I liked it even less, but oh. I kept it at a six. Six Lapidus sightings. <sighs> we did cite Lapidus. We did. Yeah. Okay. So okay. you said you liked the closing. What about the opening? This was really cool because it was a, it was, done specifically to mirror some things that they did in the series premiere. Mm-hmm. Which is why I went back and watched the series premiere. And mm-hmm. they, they showed a lot of the same images, the same pictures that yes, had been did. drawn for mm-hmm. the, for the premiere. What I enjoyed about the premiere's opening was that they had a bunch of children talking about the people who had died and how the aliens came and attacked and wiped out all of their technology and all of those and wiped out all of the soldiers, you know, now right. mommy and daddies have to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it made a lot of sense in just giving us like a little bit of background to be able to jump into the series. You know, right. you, you did not need any more background information than what was given to you in that opening monologue. Mm-hmm. The opening monologue here. You know, it's it's nice to hear Matt like we we knew he was going to be this kind of figure, right? Mm-hmm. He had been he had been uh, gathering information and interviewing people all along through the season, so we knew kind of that he was going to fall into this sort of role. But there were a couple things that I'm not sure that I really got about the opening monologue, and I think we'll get into them more as we go on. But mm-hmm. like one of them being the the final battle didn't go exactly as planned. Yeah. And, and we, we can get into it later, but it just, I, it was totally predictable. I, I predicted that they would do this maybe like five episodes ago. I don't know if I ever said that out loud, but you know, it was just like one of those things where you go, how are they going to close out the final right. season? Well, <laughs> they're going to do a callback to the first episode. That just mm-hmm. seems like what Falling Skies would do. So it, it wasn't surprising to me at all. So mm-hmm. it didn't really, I don't know. I could have done without it. it. I don't know if it, if I gained anything from it. I think the only thing that I gained from it was kind of a little bit of nostalgia, which I really liked. It, it, it That's just true. called me back to those emotions that I had when I watched the series premiere. And, and, you know, so I, it, it, it kind of immediately put me into that we're closing a book here type of mood. And so I liked it a lot. I, sure. and as I, I also went back and rewatched the premiere, but only like at the first five to 10 minutes because I wanted to compare those scenes. So when Hal and Tom start fighting, I did watch a little bit of that scene there on the street when they're fighting there in the premiere, but that's kind of where I turned it off. I just really wanted to kind of compare the opening scenes with the sure. children's drawings. And I was also struck by, you know, Matt's maturity, obviously, as him being the youngest actor, he would have matured visibly the, the most, right, throughout the duration of these five years. And and I liked that. Even, like, it starts out with the crayon drawings that we had seen from season one, and, it, and then it starts showing some newer drawings. And I, I think that all of those, the way I interpreted that was they were all done by Matt, and it showed how his artistic skills had drawn 
or had grown over over the the five years and maybe they weren't maybe i misinterpreted it but but still the art the artwork got better as as they kind of showed the story board of of the mechs and some and some like the the uh fish heads and things that we didn't know about at the series premiere so the some of those new drawings kind of showed the the more later stages of the story and it also served to kind of help remind us of, of the the stages of the battle that had brought them to this point and so i liked all of that and he's showing how matt had matured the wisdom that he was expressing and what he was writing and what he was saying the and the art i i, I so i really i liked the uh, the intro quite a bit okay good what i didn't like was the hornet fight that came after that. I think I said in our episode last week that they, they could have the hornets wiped out in 30 seconds. Like it, it could be a nothing fight. And that's exactly what it turned into. The hornets turn tail and run. When has that ever really happened before, right? I mean, we've seen skitters come at and they're all getting blown away, but more of them keep coming. They don't quit fighting until the last one's dead. And the hornets, I don't know. I thought it was just a distraction, a diversion, a time waster of a, of for an episode that didn't have a lot of time to tell the story that it had to tell anyway. So I was really frustrated by that. It seems like that was the problem with this episode in, you know, a completely subjective viewer standpoint. I saw so many things unravel in this episode that were drawn out so much longer than they needed to be. Mm -hmm. And the final, like the actual story that the queen tells Tom about why they've come to earth and have tried to wipe out the humans Mm -hmm. that maybe lasted a minute. (laughs) Yeah. And that is all that we got in terms of the queen, in terms of why they're here. And I don't know, like, like you said with this Hornet, the opening scene with the Hornet. So we're to believe now that the communicator that they blew up in the last episode brought the hornets here and i and i would assume that that's probably what led lexi uh the clone lexi yeah, to yeah. the base as well you know yeah so i guess the only thing that i could say in defense is weaver's line from last week about uh the only trick that the ashveni have up their sleeve anymore is smoke and mirrors that's all they have left you know mm-hmm. and so and so it, it could have just been a smoke screen to kind of delay them a little bit, you know, maybe uh, maybe try to kill more of their people in Washington before the second mass get there, you know, weaken the forces before they're actually able to penetrate the barrier. Mm-hmm. So there, I mean, that that's just coming to me now because I at first was on the same line as you going, this was drawn out way too much. Like why bothers, you know, it seems like the only reason they stayed was so that Tom could have that speech <laughs> where he where he tells everyone that, you know, I, I might have been mistaken about um, about finding your warrior, and you guys are the real reason that I fight. Yeah. Well, I don't want to skip ahead yet, but I guess I, I will circle back around to Marty. But the <laughs> with along, along with that, you know, you talk about Weaver saying it was all smoke and mirrors. I mean, he says things like that, and it makes you feel like he's got the uh, opinion that the Ashvini are really reeling. You know, they're on their they're on, they're on the on their back leg here um and we've got them where we want them and they 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 get rid of the hornets and then they make he makes two decisions that i thought were weird one is let's go ahead and stay another night because we get out there on the road and the hornets will get us which okay look i understand that a little bit they are fortified there more than they would be on the road 
I can go with that, but I hated the fact that it just puts them stuck one more one more day, which translates to more screen time. So that bothered me. And then the other thing was when it came time to leave and he asks Anthony to stay behind. And I was, I'm like, why do you ask Anthony to stay behind to, to help for to, you know, keep this, this fort going or this base going that nobody's going to, that's not going to matter. It's, it's, it's all or nothing in Washington. It's all or nothing in Washington. And you ask Anthony and who else, who, who knows who else to stay behind. And then we get dipwads out there in, in Washington who can't leave a freaking, uh, Schvenny egg alone. They get screen time and that's all we get of Anthony until the very end. I mean, he's a series regular and he is snuffed out in this final episode for these other guys instead. And I love Lapidus as much as the next guy, right? I've made that pretty clear. But it just didn't make sense. I was just really frustrated. This is a series finale. And you're asking one of your, your guys that we love more than anything who's just come back into redemption to sit this one out? I don't know. I didn't like it much of this, this first, you know, act at all. And I, I, you know, I'm going to be negative today. I can feel it already because these are the things that didn't bother me nearly as much as some of the other stuff. So I apologize now in advance. I don't mean to be negative. It's just coming out. Oh, I think you do mean to be negative, and that's okay because you know it's we're we're trying to be frank here and have a uh, an honest discussion about our reactions. So if you're yeah. negative, you're negative. Uh, you know that was one thing that I actually was okay with because I don't. Okay. After all that Anthony had done. I don't know if I would trust him yet. And and that's mostly as like, if you're a colonel in the army, that is the expected behavior. Mm-hmm. He might be your best fighter, but it is more important to show discipline and to show uh, authority than to necessarily have someone who could be a potential threat. So I, I understood that. And I, and even though he was a regular cast member for a while, he's done a lot of damage this year. And I think I might have been more suspicious had he been along, not because I didn't trust him, but just because you expect him to die or something, you know, like after. You mean you as a viewer? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I can see that. That's a, that, that's a valid point. That that is, I just felt like he was more trustworthy than these new guys that rolled into town. Now at this point, I'm still suspicious of the new guys. Because I'm thinking they could be more aliens in disguise. And then when Ben starts rattling off all this information, I'm going, no, Ben, don't do it. Don't give them all the info. They're not really your friends. And of course, they turned out to be friends except idiots. But still, uh, I was pretty (laughs) suspicious of them at that point. Yeah. You know, I, I even made a note of this in my notes where Tom, in typical Tom fashion, when Mm -hmm. When, uh, let's see, his name was Enos Ellis, I believe, Jeff Fahey's right, yeah. character, walks in mm-hmm. and says, if you want us to get on board with this, Tom, you're going to have to tell us the whole story. And Tom says, you know, something along the lines of, I don't have time right now. I'm trying to figure this out. And and I mean, right. that is so typical of Tom to just say, let me figure this out. Let me focus. And Ben just like takes a step back, looks around and says, all right, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it ended up being able to help them figure things out because Ben voiced it out, out loud. You know, people, other people knew the area, knew the tunnels and knew, uh, and were willing to take risks. And so you had a lot gained from him saying that. And, and by this point, I'm going, all right, all of the, all of the fake people have already come and gone. Right now, we're, we're moving toward the end. So I wasn't suspicious of them at all. Okay. Maybe, maybe a little bit at the beginning. Yeah. You know, kind of, cause it, 
because he gave me kind of a Pope vibe when yeah. he drove up, you know, <laughs> yeah. and was just all like, we're part of Mason, Mason militias, you know, heading toward DC. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it, a little bit, but then as soon as they shook hands and he showed genuine surprise, I was like, okay, these are our, our friends. But so I really enjoyed that scene where Ben started laying everything out. He says, we know they have a hive-like culture. They all answer to a queen bee creature. She has an organic connection with all Ashveni forces on Earth. And I just wanted to point that out because it was like, we, I think, I don't know, have we talked about their hive-like culture? We've talked about them having sort of a hive mind or... Yeah, we haven't really gone into it in a whole lot of depth because I think we didn't really fully understand it to this degree or or didn't, I didn't really realize it was this in-depth until really the last two episodes when the queen arrived... I think is when, and we saw the shadow plane wasn't just this, it was actually more of a, it was a physical place where we had kind of been thinking that the shadow plane was kind of this figurative place or this mental place, but, but it I actually still don't like, know what I think about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, at times it seemed to be like when, when Scorch and what's his face were connecting via the shadow plane, it did seem like it was just a mental transference, which was our, our first idea maybe not our first but a strong indicator that that they do have this mental hive mind capability but but uh to, for me anyway to get to your, back to your question not until these last mm-hmm. couple of episodes did i really fully understand how, how how big it was or how important it was and i don't know if it really offers any anything to explain why the biological agent worked in the way that it did mm-hmm because it's still just a mental connection. It's not like they're physically connected. Right. But I'm assuming that it had something to do with... Do you know what happens to a beehive when a queen bee dies? Um, yeah, they, they, I believe they um, choose a new queen and, and life goes on. Do they? they? They just choose a new queen? I think so. It's been it's been a long time since I've read on bees. It's not something I've read on in quite some time. But I, if memory serves correctly, that's what happens. They don't. The hive doesn't die or go away. Right. Well, yeah, and and that's kind of my point. I'm like thinking, well, when a when a queen bee dies, like a legit queen bee, <laughs> not that they die, but do they have no direction or what? But I was I was reading up on on hive minds mm-hmm. in terms of queen bees because I was it was starting to be really interesting to me and I can't find the article exactly but it essentially was talking about how it's not like the queen bee is in charge and all of the little bees are drones that just aimlessly do the the queen's bidding it they act more like a collective in uh collective conscience just yeah. kind of like your mind does in where you're presented with a whole bunch of possibilities and you intuitively choose the one that will produce the best outcome. And so it, from what I was reading, the, the, the bees hive mind works in a similar fashion. So it's not like what I guess, I guess the point that I wanted to get at here was that I was confused by the appearance of the queen bee, like, or not, she, we should stop calling her a bee. She's not a bee. <laughs> The, the, the queen. queen of yeah. queen of this alien race who yeah. did not look like the Ashveni at all, who we were just assuming was the race that was dominating, right? Right, and so, right. So, like, my first instinct is here, okay, so does that mean these, the Ashveni or the, the overlord type creatures that we've been seeing, are they harnessed too? Or, you know, or like, what's going on with that? So I thought maybe there was something like, 
these are just drones, you know, like a bunch of stormtroopers or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I, I expected there to be a, a much bigger resemblance. And really, she resembled be- because of her insect-like, you know, multiple, multiple-legged you know, thing. Yeah. She resembled a skitter more than she resembled a Neshfini. Yes. Uh, which yeah, I thought was, was really weird. Yeah, that was my worry. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, why does it look like a skitter? And, you know, now, I actually didn't ever really suspect... Was it you that laid out the theory or some one of the listeners? It was along the lines of um, that the Dornia were actually here to help the Ashveni. You know, like it, that never mm-hmm. really crossed my mind that that alliance was there. But yeah, but it certainly could have. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's there's still even now that we've finished the uh, the series, we, there's still so much unknown and, and so many questions that we could we could spend the whole podcast talking about <laughs> the Dornia and what we we don't know, and frankly, the Queen for that matter. But you know, I I think it's a little bit one of the things while we're talking about the Queen that I think is still quite odd is you know you get Weaver for example you mentioned already feeling like well they've got the Ashvini right where they want them. We were under the impression that if they could get that power cord down, then they would have the momentum to take out the Ishvini. And so all of the humans, and us included, as we're seeing it largely through their lens, are of the opinion, all, since since they took the power cord down, so all season, that they are. They're winning this war, and the Ishvini are losing. The mechs are gone. The, the skitters are are odd, and some of them are are off, you know, ravenous and, and not really even... You know, they have to be near an overlord in in order to even be useful, right? And so we felt like we the Ashvini had really been weakened. And then last week we get the Dornia Queen saying, "Well, the Queen of the Ashvini is only here because they feel like they have won and they are here to occupy instead right. of um, infiltrate or whatever it was." So I, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm still confused by that. And at the same time, you you bring your queen here. If you know that your queen only needs to be killed to to shut down your existence, your entire yeah. existence, you would think that you wouldn't bring her on site until you have locked up the victory. Well, I don't know. I not that we were given any information at all on this. This is all speculation, remember, listeners. But I don't think that killing the queen, just directly killing her, would have killed them all. I think it was because of this biological agent, the biological weapon. I mean, that that's just my theory, because way back, you know, 2000, or what did she say, 1,500 years mm-hmm. ago, I sent my prized yeah, her daughter, daughter, you know, who, who wasn't a queen, I guess, right. but they right. killed her and nothing happened to the Ashveni, so... Maybe, maybe if she's not directly the queen, we can't use that as a basis for argument. But my, my, my only point is, I don't think just killing her would have done it. I think it was because otherwise, why bother giving them the biological weapon? Well, I think they give her, and I, you're right. This is certainly open to interpretation and speculation. But um, I, I read it that the queen only needed to die, and the web, the purpose of the weapon was to make it much, much easier to kill her. <laughs> oh, okay. Sure, so, that that would work too. Yeah, although the way he implemented the weapon was different. I, you know, I, where he like had it go into his bloodstream and then therefore into her. I, I mean, we're getting we're all over the notes here. It was just I know. But, um, <laughs> I thought he would throw it like they did Alexi last week. Throw it at her and and it would like yeah, you know, get all over her and I'm melting. 
you know, type of thing. That's what I kind of thought would go down. Melting. You wanted her to melt. <laughs> well, I'm, I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, this is for dra- dramatic effect for those who are joining yeah. us live. But you get the idea. Like it would attach to her and she would have some sort of physical reaction. Like, like she did, but it was because it, it sucked through his blood. So it was just weird. I didn't expect that. I'm not criticizing it. I'm, I'm not. No, I, I just, no, that's, no, it's okay. No, it I, I had a yeah. couple qualms with that too. Okay, I did find this article and I just wanted to read okay. this one line. Okay, so to watch a group of bees is to see a frenzy of different interests coalesce into a single clear thought. This is analogous to neurons in the brain, which must reach a consensus on how to achieve a behavioral goal by positioning the body in space. And I just thought that was interesting because it was like last last year we had the two overlords that had different ideas on the way to go about mm-hmm. achieving their goal, you know, mm-hmm. and and it, that actually happens in beehives. You have you have scouts who go off and try to find the best location to make a new nest, and and they come back and have to convince the rest of the hive to follow their lead. You know, and they do all those swirly movements in the air or whatever in order to convince anyone. And so it's just it was just interesting that they have a lot of those kinds of behaviors. And I and maybe that that's just analogous to pretty much life, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I still feel like the hive, the hive portion of it had a lot to do with the ability for that weapon to work. Because otherwise, I don't know. I can't really think of another reason why they would all be wiped out. No, I think that's definitely it. They re- they they required some sort of uh, connection to the queen in order to sustain their own lives. And when her yeah life was snuffed out, which I think begs the question. I mean, this is this is a pretty big weakness for for a, a species that seems to be have so prevailed against so much of the universe, right? I mean, um, what happens when she naturally dies? She's at least fifteen hundred years old because of the story that we got in the one minute of screen time when they gave us that. But like, what happens when she dies? Is there some sort of like? Does she go down to the to the creek and and dip a water bottle into it and say pass it on and say now we are the same? I mean, I don't understand what the what the <laughs> what the process is. I'm going to start having to count the number of lost references in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I think, I mean, it just goes back to the biological weapon. I still feel like that plus the hive mind has more to do with them all getting wiped out because yeah, one person dying shouldn't make a difference. Okay, right. let's move on. Okay. How about? Yep. Yeah. So Marty died. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if we were ever going to circle. I hadn't forgotten, but I'm like, are we just going to do an awkward circle back around to that? or what, what are we I'm just going to do, do a direct line back to. So I, I totally called that, right? I said Marty would die. Come on now. And that doesn't he, take a, a Nostradamus to, to predict that one. I'm sorry. Way to go, Emily. You totally. Thank you. Thank you. I know it took a lot of brain power. <laughs> he he served his purpose, so he did take him out. And then the second mass and their new friends sit around a hobo campfire while Tom gives yet another speech. You know, and and we talked about this a little bit. Um, yeah. He 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 reminded everyone that he started off this last leg of the battle, asking everyone to find their warrior. Some some people it inspired them, some people it didn't sit well with them. Yep. But they've all been asked to sacrifice a lot, and Tom thinks it's all been worth it. <laughs> yeah. Because you are the reason why I fight. <laughs> 
So you're acting like you didn't like this. I really liked this quite a bit. I just this, we've heard this speech a hundred times. We have. There was nothing new in this speech. No, there wasn't. It was, it was it was perfectly set up so that Tom could just give another heart wrencher. <laughs> and, but he's and, and you're you're absolutely right. But I think it was kind of also pointed to the audience a little bit. Like I know you didn't like some of the crap we did this season. Like when That's I lost true. my mind and started like going <laughs> rage on everyone. But I want you to know it was all for this moment we we're getting ready to do. Um, so I felt like it was, you know, a little bit pointed uh, to us a little bit, but it just, okay, rem- no, I, I, get, I actually, that helps because I, didn't <laughs> okay. <think of> that. <laughs> but I also, I like the Tom speeches. Like Tom has given a crap ton of speeches, including the one last week, like when, um, was it Dingon that was on the radio? Yep. And he's like, Hey, we got, we got the new communication link up. We can go further now. And, and you want to say anything? And he goes over there and delivers this great Tom speech. And I'm like, I'll jump off the cliff with you, Tom. You know, I just, I really liked it. And I, he does that really well. I mean, like every speech he's ever given in this show has been great. I liked yeah. it. After, after watching the, the premiere episode yeah. again, the speeches he gave there were to a couple people mm-hmm. and they were inspiring. And he was so adamant that he was just a history professor and every mm. single one of them was just saturated in some historical analogy mm-hmm. and to me that's what gave tom his heart mm-hmm. and i know that this season was so much about paving a new way for the humans to to live after the aliens have gone and i know that they're trying to set something up but i just i felt like an artificial heart to me it, i didn't feel anything from him like from beginning to end, you know, I just, <laughs> is that really terrible to say? I just, I did not feel, I mean, okay, I, I'll say that I, I did, I felt his, um, I felt how genuine he was being. Like, I knew that this was a big moment. It just, it just did not impact me like those early speeches did. And, and I always feel that way with, with leaders who have become so powerful, not, not necessarily powerful in the, you know, I can actually command somebody to kill you, but just in the, the amount of people that they oversee, you mm-hmm. know, it just, it's like they lose sight of those origins and they, and they, and that's kind of why I like the ending so much was because he did deny or he did reject the presidency and he was just calling himself a history professor. So mm-hmm. those, you know, but okay. anyway, <laughs> well, we'll get to that. And I don't disagree with anything you just said, but I also think that Tom, uh, five seasons later, five years of, of fighting later, is no longer just a history professor. That's just right. a, no. a, a part yeah, of who he is. Um, and, and I think that he, even as he did then, is still able to use different types of story elements and... and um, Oh, I'm not going to express this very well, but anyway, he's able to gather things that that can really motivate people and help people gain perspective. And I thought this was just another good example of that. That's a very good point. I I was okay. So in in the premiere in the series premiere, yeah, there's a point when Colonel Porter. Wow, I forgot about him. To, okay, right? Yeah, he says to uh, he he just he just gives Weaver the second mass because their leader was killed. Uh-huh. And, and Tom comes up af- afterward and says to him, I think you're, you're, uh, do, or making a mistake giving Weaver the second mass, you know, or, uh, no, he says, I think it's a mistake giving Weaver non-combatants. 
because they were breaking out into groups of a hundred mm-hmm. fighters and two hundred civilians. And he's very, he's very, you know, he reassures Porter that he doesn't want the job. He just doesn't think that Weaver's the person for it. But Porter says to him, I'm making you his second in command because you will do anything that you can to protect these people. Right. 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 And, and it's Tom as second in command doing whatever he can to protect the civilians. That is the Tom that I like. But, but I'm not saying that I don't like this Tom. I'm just saying that doing whatever you have to in order to protect them, you, you kind of lose that when you become first in command, which I mean, he has, right? Mm-hmm. Would, yep. would you agree with that? I and think Sarah just, would agree with that. Which Sarah? The dead one. <laughs> the dead one. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Yeah. She would agree with that too. No, uh, no. So I just, I just mean like, <clears throat> I don't know if this is making sense and it's really, it's really just a sentiment mm-hmm. in that, what you would expect from someone who is in charge of an arm in uh, sorry in charge of an army <laughs> versus someone who is second in command you you would expect uh, the do anything attitude from someone who is second in command not from someone who has to be in charge right and so that that's all i meant to say <laughs> no i think you're right too absolutely right all right so after ben tells the newcomers everything about what they're trying to do they form a plan to go underneath okay oh no no okay here we go this this is uh, what i was saying at the beginning about not quite understanding the opening monologue about mm-hmm. the original plan not going yeah. as planned yeah okay so the only thing i can come up with is that up until the bikers got there their plan was to storm the national mall with as many forces as they could overwhelming numbers i think they called it that's what they said and yes. then yep and then one of the militia leaders calls in and says uh there's a a wall 20 feet high of skitterized humans completely right. circling the mall so yep. you know that plan is scabbard right but so the new plan then is to go underneath or uh, through the tunnels into the national mall right and that is i mean that's the only thing that i can really come up with as to what didn't go as planned. Yeah, I mean, there was a point in the episode where I was thinking, oh, here's a second thing, and dies. <laughs> Never mind. We'll get to that. But yeah, no, that's, okay. that's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> because I don't think that's worth mentioning in the opening monologue. I mean, <laughs> something not going as planned is like, okay, I would call the end of Fringe as a plan, is something not going as planned. Yes. You know? Yes. This this is not <laughs> something not going as planned. Yeah. But that's just I mean that's just being a little bit annoyed with the opening yeah. monologue, I think. You know, I probably doesn't matter that much. I don't think you're alone with that. I and I, I agree okay. with it in fact. Yeah. Um okay, but but they get to Washington instantly. This is like the old oh, yes. fringe days instantly. when there is no there's it's like New York, Boston are right next to each other. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> whatever. There there was no travel time at all in this episode. No. Including it, when when Tom brings Anne to the Dornia ship. <laughs> exactly. He, yes. he he carried her the entire way. Yeah, I gotta back. do this alone. I'm gonna carry her all the way. He's gonna run with her. Back. What? Okay. Anyway, what yeah. were you gonna say? Um, after before I So yeah, they're there. They have to take the tunnels. <sighs> Okay, I've just put on my negative hat. For those of you listening, you, 
be warned, I've just put on my negative hat. This entire part of this, this the episode was complete failure for me. And please, again, talk me off the ledge of this because, number one, it was a complete ripoff, not done nearly as well as the xenomorph egg scene from the original Alien movie. Okay. That's exactly what came to my mind. If if you're going to pull this off, at least act like one of the characters has seen that bastion of sci-fi. I mean, come on, right? At least act like the characters have seen the movie before because it is such a classic sci-fi movie, you know? Like one of yeah. the guys should say, this looks familiar. I think I've seen this before. We should probably not disturb these eggs, which they did do. And then the idiot bikers... Not because they're bikers, because because they're the red shirt guys, because right? Because they're idiots. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, come on. And if you're alive in this stage of the game, five years after an alien invasion, you should know not to jack around with alien eggs. I mean, none of this was even believable to me, that they would be this stupid. Yeah. And then, I'm sorry, I've got a couple more points, and then I'll release it to you to talk me off the ledge. Wolf becomes some sort of testosterone induced i want to die so that i'm a hero where did that complex come from we've never gotten a hint of that out of him and it's also that he can die on screen five minutes later like he just told weaver that he wants to do so that came out of nowhere that was a nice little whatever um and then after all of that it actually helped tom find the queen which I don't know. You could, you could argue that that was positive because, you know, they turned a, a negative situation into a positive situation. But I don't know. This whole scene was, this whole part of the story was complete fail for me. And now I feel better. <laughs> you got all that off your chest. Uh, yes. Yes. All right. Yeah. No, I'm taking I, the hat back no. off. All right. The hat is put aside. Negative hat uh, is gone. No, I, I don't disagree at all. I felt like it was, I could not believe how long this part of the episode was it was they spent way too much time down there but i know why they had to do it obviously i mean they had to tell everybody that Anne was pregnant for some reason okay and then they they had to resolve the hal um maggie isabella <laughs> isabella triangle yeah. <laughs> and they had to give tom a reason to go off on his own because you knew that he had to do that alone yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I, I understand why they constructed it in this way. Mm -hmm. It just, it took too long. It was a total ripoff of everything else, aliens. And I don't really see a great point in having them. I don't know. Like, why are they, why are they laying eggs <laughs> when they're trying to go into a, a final battle with the humans? They've actually barricaded themselves in the national mall. So is this like, is this just like another line of defense or do they have no reason, you know, like, Oh, this is the time to lay eggs. And this is not the time because, you know, even turtles know when to lay eggs. Actually, I thought it was a, uh, the, the eggs made perfect sense in my mind because they, they need to, they need to re up their forces. They are trying to take over the planet and you want this to be your home. And so that's what you do is, is you, as you procreate, but you fight so. the battle first. But that's what the that's what the overlords and the skitters are for. The queen is there. So, to, but then why are you, why are you laying your eggs here, like in the middle of the battle? 
Well, they, but that was in the middle of a fortified section. They had the wall. It was underground. I mean, I okay, felt like... Okay, so they, they, they think this is their area. They think this is a pretty safe okay. place. That's what I think. Okay, sure. Oh, I, I could I could work with that. Okay, but yeah, otherwise, I, I agree. It was... There, there were a lot of contrived moments where you knew that somebody would have to disturb the eggs. So, obviously, you're going to use the red shirt biker. Yeah. And uh, you know that Tom needs to get away, so you have to have something that cuts him off from everyone else. But what I still don't really understand is, I mean, okay, I, I, I'm actually, whenever a character gets pregnant, I'm usually okay with it because to me, it represents something real. Like yeah. you don't, you don't plan things out. Things happen because mm-hmm. you're human and <laughs> biological processes, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> what I don't understand is the purpose of her death yeah. because like usually it's meant to inspire or motivate or whatever, you know, like to get them through that last leg. Like if, if he had lost Anne as he was trying to find this queen and he, and he, like she died in his arms, he would have been so motivated to, to kill that queen. And that scene could have actually been better in that way. Mm-hmm, but here, mm-hmm. here, it's just, she got, she gets hit by shrapnel. And I'm, this is the part that I'm talking about that made me cry because I thought she was actually dead. I did too. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm just like, this is terrible. This is like, you can't kill off any of the Masons, but you kill off Anne. <laughs> That's what I said. My note was, I don't know. I might not have, cause I think we had a similar note. I might not have carried my note over. No, I did. I said, of all the Masons, why Anne? Why? Anne? But like, yeah. So, it it not only like has nothing to do with anything but you then everyone else stops looking for tom (laughs) everybody else just stays where they are and watches her die Mm -hmm. because they can't do anything for her she's already lost too much blood the shrapnel is in too deep there's no help for her she's the doctor (laughs) right (laughs) that's right and so nobody has gone after tom leaving Tom completely alone, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're just, you know, hoping he can do it. (laughs) And then why, like, okay, so the only thing I could really come up with was it had to do something with Tom banking on the vengeance that he paid for the Dornia. And like, but I still just don't get why we need the Dornia at this stage. Why, why show that we had to have the Dornia save Anne? Right. What if Anne, you know, as upset as I was that Anne died, I was more upset that she was brought back to life because yeah. it meant nothing at that point. That was yeah. one of the most, if not the most emotional points of the episode. You just said it made you cry. Yes. yes. And I was upset that she died. I didn't want her to die. But then to go back and bring her magically back to life, it invalidated all of those emotions that we felt when she died i don't know what yeah. the purpose you're right it didn't serve to motivate tom and his fight against the queen it was she died he found her he took her she's alive happy ending and right. you know we've talked about fringe a little bit in this episode too and they did a similar type of thing where someone was dead and then not dead but it it, it worked here right. for me it didn't work it didn't feel right. earned it didn't feel deserved i felt robbed and cheated by her coming back to life even though i'm glad she's alive at the end i didn't understand its purpose in the episode at all 
And this is something that I would really like to understand the purpose of. So if you're listening to this and you have something to say on this note, I would be so interested to hear. Look for the show notes for episode 25 of Berserker Cast and leave a comment because I'm genuinely wanting to like this because, you know, there, there is something to be said about Tom banking on a, uh, a favor, you know, or uh, going after some sort of reciprocity. I, I, I'm not coming up with the word. Well, that's a good word, <laughs> but, though. I mean, uh, a good enough a word. But, but yeah. yeah, but did we need that? Did we need right. that interaction with the Dornio one more time? And I think you could also say, well, the name of the episode is Reborn. And so in, in that context, Anne was very much reborn. You know, of course, the world is reborn at the end of the episode. Anne is reborn at that moment. And you could even say that her being pregnant again is another chance at a birth for the Masons, for Tom and, and Anne. In that case, it's it's a reborn as well. And mm-hmm. I get that. But again, it, it feels like she was shoehorned into it. If you wanted to do that yeah. because of the episode title, which I hope you didn't do as a writer. I hope you, you titled it after the fact. But... I don't know. It wasn't enough of a payoff for me, even with those other perspectives that I just kind of gave with the reborn perspective. I don't, it still didn't work for me. That is such a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I mean, like I was, like I said, I was, I wasn't just tearing up. I was like crying. I was (laughs) crying about as hard as I cried when, spoiler alert, (laughs) Etta died, (laughs) you know, Uh like I can remember like curling up in the corner of my apartment, just going, why? Yeah. It was, <laughs> I, I it was incredibly up, sad when Anne died. Was, we all love her. Emotional. You know, there's, yeah. n- there's been nothing not to like about Anne. And, right. you know, we so speculated from the beginning who's going to die this season. And we kind of thought that <laughs> not her. <laughs> Which is why I thought that, that that's why they killed her. Yeah. You know, like I'm going, you know, the irony here is like as she, as she breathes her last breath, you know, you've got the bombs bursting in air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Basically, with all right. the skitters dying or the hornets, hornets dying, dying in the air. Yeah, yeah. And it looks like fireworks exploding after a victory. And that is when she breathes her last breath. Mm-hmm. It's like at the very end of the battle. And in a way, I found it a little fitting. You know, like it was emotional, but I could understand that. Like emotionally, I could understand that she, she served a very important purpose for them all the way. That's right. And sometimes, Sometimes bad stuff happens and you get hit with with stray shrapnel and not everybody is going to survive. And that is something that I can deal with. Right. But just but like like we're saying, it's just I don't get the whole we need the Dornia to bring her back because uh, uh, I can't remember if it was a coworker of mine or if I read it in an article. But we were talking about how the humans uh, in uh, in going to this final battle, they have required a biological weapon from another alien race in order to conquer this alien mm-hmm. the, to wipe out the Ashvani. There's, it's not man-made. There, we've shown time and time again how ineffective human weapons are against the Ashvani at large. You can take out some in clusters, but there's they're no match for the larger portions of them. So we needed the Dornia to kill. This race. I mean, that is that is basically what 
they're telling us at the end of this show <laughs> is that the humans couldn't do it alone. And, and that's fine because, you know, the last line is, you know, we discovered that we're not alone and you have uh, Volm and pro- probably Shaq there at the, at that final scene with them mm-hmm. all. So you know that they're, they're sharing earth now with whomever, but it's, it's just, it's so. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is just part of the whole. We we're not alone, and we can take advantage of these things, and so we will. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Are we beating a dead horse here? I I feel like I've been talking about this for too long. Well, I think we've I think we've expressed our sentiments, and we're not getting any opposition okay. in the chat room, which is, I guess, we're not alone in, <laughs> our, in our sentiment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we talked about Anne dying, but yeah. we didn't talk about Tom actually in the Lincoln Memorial with the Queen. Yes, let's do that. Well, we we kind of mentioned I I did earlier about how he, I thought he would throw the thing, but yeah, let's because there, there's still some more yeah. things that that I think we should talk about there. What what do you, where do you want to start there? Well, okay, first of all, I remember watching this last Tuesday night and <laughs> texting you. Who is the voice of the queen? <laughs> yes. I, I knew I knew her voice. And I'm I, impressed I, I, by I was, this. I was not going to look it up until I figured it out. And I was totally right. It was Trisha Helfer was the voice of the queen. And I can't tell you how many times I listened to her saying, smells like blood or whatever uh-huh. it was she says, yeah. you know, in the, and I'm just like, I know this voice. I know this voice. And even then, Goodness, you, like, you were like, I knew that PSG. it was her. And I was like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and you name off like three things that she's done. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't seen any of those. You, I, I bet you would, you watched Chuck, didn't you? Yeah. The first two or three seasons. She was in season two. Okay. So like she, she makes a lot of random sci-fi appearances, okay. like one or two episode arcs a lot, but she was a huge player. Number six on BSG. Right. And uh, so, th- and that's really where I have last seen her. <laughs> but yeah, so I was, I was really proud of myself. But what a great voice for the queen. I mean, it, I think sci fi sci fi fans everywhere will just love that. But okay, so she, he kind of sneaks around the Lincoln Memorial until confronting her and she, she creeps up over the headless Lincoln. <laughs> yes. And we see that she looks like a skitter. And I'm going, okay. But she also has like this big, belly thing yeah. around her waist yeah. that looks like a bunch of eggs but i don't know i don't get how how the ashveni can lay these eggs if they don't look like her i'm i'm just having problems with all of this <laughs> keeping all of this stuff straight so she pins tom to a column with her mega web thing yeah i mean the- she looked a lot like a spider to me i mean she had the abdomen kind of behind the legs a little bit yep. i think she only had six legs instead of eight but i had already written in my notes by that time she looks like a spider and then when she threw the web thingy at him i'm like oh well someone in the writer's room doesn't like insects clearly like if <laughs> alien life is clearly all about <laughs> insects we've yeah. seen that throughout the series and she yeah she reminded me of a spider <laughs> she did look like a spider uh, and once she has him pinned, he, she does the, uh, obligatory, obligatory villain, villain trope of telling him everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> Do you even know why? This is the moment we've been waiting for, right? Isn't this the moment we've been waiting for? Yes. Why did they do this? What is their backstory? How'd you feel about it? Uh, okay. So I, I'm, I'm divided. Okay. And the only reason I'm divided is because I really enjoyed the explanation, mm-hmm. but we were given so little of it. Yes. And so 
so little time to absorb it. Yes. This is her, her explanation of why the humans deserve this fate. She says, The Ashveni followed our own prophecy, expanding our empire from planet to planet. But Earth was unlike anything encountered before. The only habitable planet in this galaxy, immeasurable strategic value. 1,500 of your years ago, it was inhabited by primitives. I sent my fiercest warrior to lead the invasion, my prized daughter. But you were far stronger than we ever imagined. You slaughtered her. I vowed to return a thousand times stronger to avenge her death and wipe out humanity. And so, on the one hand... Really cool, and especially using the Nazca lines in order to have some sort of basis for this. Mm-hmm. Whether this was the plan all ar- all along, it definitely didn't need to be. It could have been just conceived when they realized they only had one season left. Right, you know, right. I, I can see it both ways. Sure, sure. But totally makes sense. It, it's like what I what I like about it is that. Uh, she says, but you are far stronger than we ever imagined. So even human primitives were able to overcome this race. And so with, with fewer forces and, and just like maybe a scouting mission sent to overtake some people who did not look like they bore any intelligence. I like that. I like that they, they had tried once before and were defeated mm-hmm. and came back stronger and nearly won. And, right. and, and you, and you could see, the reason or their their drive to actually overtake Earth and why they didn't just leave after the power core blew on the moon. You know, there yeah. so there are a lot of reasons for the for why they stayed. Yeah. And I'm I feel like I think you and I are on the exact same page here. I, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. It made sense. It was just very little and very late in the game yep. when we finally got this story. Um, I did read uh, something showed up in my news feed on my phone yesterday. It was, I think it was from io9, but don't quote me on that. And it was an article about the finale. And I only read like the f- first third of it, maybe then I realized how long it was. And I'm like, ah, I don't have time for this because I'm trying to get ready to go out of town. And but I think that's where I saw it. If not, I saw it somewhere else where somebody criticized this part of the story and said, what primitive humans defeated the Shvini and now we can't do it without without Dornia and Volm help? That doesn't make any sense. Isn't that a big plot hole? And it, no. I don't I don't believe that it is because of one line in here where it says we returned a thousand times stronger. I mean sure humanity is stronger now than we were in fifteen hundred years ago, but aliens returned a thousand times stronger. And you could argue, well, that was metaphor, right? And, or, or, uh, hyperbole, maybe. Yeah. But I don't think so. I, I think that maybe it was a bit hyperbolic, but it, I think there was still a lot of literal truth to that, too. She came back all full guns blazing with every bit of weaponry in her arsenal that she could to try to avenge her daughter. So I think there's a huge difference in that. And like you said, the scout team that her daughter, uh, came with. And again, we're left to really speculate and use our own imaginations here as to what it would have been like 1500 years right. ago because we didn't get a whole lot here to go on. But for, for the most part, I liked the story just a little bit late and a little bit short. Yep. Yeah. And especially like in my mind, I, you know, I'm extrapolating here a lot, but I see this as the reason why they went out and started conquering other worlds and, and harnessing uh, the Dornia, you know, and, and creating this an unstoppable force, uh, this unstoppable army that they could use to counter every single aspect to how those primitives defeated them in the first place. And so, I mean, like I said, extrapolating, but I, there, there are a lot of things that I can see about the way that they handle 
uh, their ex- the expansion of their race. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So it was great. I just wish that you know, like I the 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 Ishveni that they had caught the Overlord uh, earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. I, I just think like they had so many opportunities to start laying the groundwork for this. I mean, and I know that they've like mentioned Nazca lines, but mentioning Nazca lines isn't the same as like having a legitimate piece of information from one of the aliens telling us that this is legit, you know? And so like just having the overlord say something along the lines of, you know, we've come back to conquer you, you know, it's something really, really obscure and abstract that we wouldn't be able to capitalize on until this moment where we look back and go, Oh, that's what they were all talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we're getting a couple of comments here in our chat room. The Polish Blonde says that she's disappointed that they threw out the storyline from last season. Quote, there is a greater enemy out there. And I think you can argue oh, that the yeah. queen is that greater enemy. But at the same time, I think you can argue right back and say, eh, it's the same enemy, just a, you know, different entity within that same enemy. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Um, and, and the Heretic Rick says, yeah, but the invasion is what they do anyway. So why, what, what's with the revenge plot? And I don't know. I mean, maybe this was the first time they had been beaten. And so that was, that's what made this different. I don't. Right. I don't well, know. and, and, and I think a lot of, okay, so I just watched Stargate Universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so like this is really in my head, but one of the last episodes in season two, is them going to a, a, a world where this really giant creature drags two of their people off and sticks them into a cave. And it's only like, and, and then the beast returns to attack other people in the camp as, as they're trying to look for them. But it's only as that beast recognizes intelligence and th- that's through them building a fire that he actually lets them go <laughs> because he, it's like that beast is intelligent and, and can recognize intelligence in other alien races i suppose they would be humans so like there there's a i think there's a trope just in general for science fiction in that when you recognize intelligence in another race it's more than just taking over the planet it's actually dominating that species and so and maybe they've maybe they've invaded maybe the dornia well i guess the dornia were intelligent but maybe the 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 other planets they found didn't really have intelligent life it just had life and and the revenge plot has more to do with with that and that the, these people intentionally killed my daughter they you know and stuck her head on a spike and celebrated it she even says like uh the savages consumed the flesh of my daughter to gain her strength <laughs> and so i don't know that that's kind of just what was going on in my head mm-hmm. is that uh that it had more to do with the intelligence of the humans than the fact that it's just an it's just like a immeasurable strategic value of yeah. a planet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, but yeah. So he like like Daryl said, uh, he grabs the biological weapon mm-hmm. and forces it to su- or to attach to him. It infects his blood immediately. <laughs> yeah. And kills the queen. Bam! Bam! Boom! Bam. Yeah. You know, this is one of those things like you see it's 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 a little bit of a trope where the weapon is just off screen and the person who's attacking the person who's trying to get to the weapon seems to be oblivious to the fact that they're almost, you know, they're just a fingertips away. And so they don't make any effort to, like, knock the weapon away. And this is what happened here. Right. I'm like, how does the, the queen not see that he's reaching for that thing? Like 
She's got six legs. She could use one of them to swat that away. Right. But whatever. It happens all the time. It's a TV and movie thing. But yep. um, I did think, though, like you said, we both had this same note, too. The bombs bursting in air came <laughs> came to mind when the, when the wasps are exploding. And I thought that was cool. Cheesy, yep. maybe, but cool nonetheless. I, yeah. I, I did like that as a metaphor or, or whatever. Yep. The, I, I guess that's the right word. When if this is the point though, when Ben comes running up to tell Tom that Anne is dying and bombs are bursting in air, and I totally thought that Ben was about to like fall over dead because he still has a Schwinny Tech in him, you know, or Alien Tech. Oh, and I, I thought never even thought that. I thought Tom just killed his own oh. son. Ben is going to die. It didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because he when he arrives, he kind of he his his countenance changes, right? And and if, if, at that point, I'm not sure. Did his countenance change because he's not feeling right, or did his countenance change because of what he's about to have to tell his dad? It turned out to be the second, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I never that never even crossed my mind. Because after Anne died, I was like, okay, everybody else is surviving. Yeah, <laughs> because. I can't take anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been pretty fun, though, if Ben went all jiffy pop right there. No, no, that I don't. <laughs> fun. <laughs> well, use whatever word you want. Uh, That's the word I'll choose to use. Insert. Yeah, not fun. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm obviously I'm just trying to antagonize you. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh. So Tom rejoins second mass, but it's too late. Yep. He and takes Anne all the way back to where they started, like it was just next door. And you know what? Look, uh, Emily, I tried really hard to say no. He took he, he took her to the waters of Washington D.C. But then I took last week's episode where he met the yeah. Dornia ship side by side with this episode. It is the exact same yeah. beach. There's no well, question. There, why? I mean, yeah. Why bother going to water at all? Yes. If, you know, right? If you're if you're just going to go anywhere, you know, yeah. and call out to them. Yeah. But, <laughs> okay. But before he, before he picks her up and carries her away, he just has a memory of, oh, yeah, yeah. Of, of the first time he encountered the Dornia. And I think like it shows the, it shows the, uh, the, the power core exploding on the moon. It shows his, his spaceship spinning through space. Mm-hmm. And then it shows him getting tossed in the spaceship and the tentacles coming and wrapping around him with a voice saying, you are safe and sound. Mm-hmm. We come in peace. <laughs> so, and then and I think we talked about this last week uh, about uh, the water rushing in and then him rising to the surface, which now completely makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that, I'm fine with that. But um, so carries her all the way back to where he originally met with Adornia, which was supposedly close to that army base, naval base, whatever it is, <laughs> which I just, I can't, I can't, <laughs> I don't even know what to say on that. Yeah. Well, okay. But I don't either. Okay. Go ahead. So yeah. no, I just mean, so as he waits uh, for them to heal Anne, because the tentacles do come and take her away. Guess who arrives on scene? Now, were you surprised you to, to see Pope? You were there. No, no. Now, the first time I watched the episode, I thought, I, I still thought that Tom was, was in D.C. He had taken her to the waters in D.C. Even though the beach looked the same, I thought, no, come on. Come on. That Pope has somehow made his way to Washington, D.C. and somehow found his way to Tom, which was ridiculous. 
the alternate to that is the what the ridiculousness that we just said where somehow tom carried her all the way back to the base which was like eight hours away uh or maybe even farther by by foot by foot but yeah then pope but still pope randomly runs into him at this beach it was completely ridiculous this scene served no purpose oh sorry sorry negative hat um this scene served no purpose. It didn't give us any better closure on Pope than I think we had last week. Maybe a little bit, but we didn't need it. I didn't need it, you know? Um, we only saw the body this time. Well, even that was a little bit ambiguous. Like, some people were still confused. Did he die or didn't he die? Because the one eye that wasn't all swollen shut was still a little bit open the last time we when the camera... It's like Inception. When the top, you know, he spins the top and then the camera moves away before you see what the top does and so there's some ambiguity there that's kind of what we got with with pope his eye was not completely closed when the camera angle switched and so there was some argument i saw on twitter where people were confused was pope dead or alive to me it was pretty clear that he was dead but i don't know this whole scene with pope was unnecessary wasn't it couldn't that have been better used with some other thing like longer exposition on the on the on the queen i don't know i didn't like this okay ha, ha, the only thing off. i the only thing i enjoyed about the scene was that it was so much more pope than we've gotten from pope all season and yes. by which i mean he he says can you imagine someone having mercy on me on the likes of me mm-hmm. and then and his final words are you're a pain in the ass tom right. <laughs> and so i mean there's no redemption he doesn't ask for forgiveness right he he is just pope until the end and that is what i enjoyed about it but i did not i did not think it was necessary yeah i, don't I mean at that point any of that so i mean yeah. it, it's I, I i if if it hadn't been there i probably wouldn't have thought about it again you know, but because it was there, I can say that I prefer this ending of Pope to him just dying in an explosion. But okay, I don't get this line that Pope says, the decent folks with the Tennessee, they took me in Mm -hmm. some humanity. So is that, are those the people that he was with when he came to attack the naval base in the first place? I guess so. I don't know who else it would be unless it's just, we, again, we're trying to, trying to fill in blanks because we didn't get that expressly given unless to us. Unless he escaped after the explosion. Right. And That's met up the with other option, right? Is, is okay. I didn't he, even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I mean, I, I did not like you, you, you guys know that I, I just did not buy the whole crazy Pope all season long. So I, I, th- this is, this is the Pope that I believe, you know, this is, this is the side of him that I, I can, I can see. I just, I can't see the crazy person, <laughs> but I, I completely, I think he dies. I think people die with their eyes open all the time. You know, you see people after they die, people close their eyes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was having labored breaths. So I thought it was a very fitting end. <laughs> <laughs> and Tom just saying, <laughs> I'm not, the war's over. I'm not killing anyone. Yeah, and I like that line. It was a great yeah. line, but we didn't need that line. I think that was an assumed line. Yep. The war's over. It's not like he was fighting with Pope just because he enjoyed fighting with Pope. That was never the issue, you know. So it was a great line. I didn't think we needed it, but right. Okay, final <laughs> scene. 
Final scene. <laughs> so <laughs> I cross out. I write there and back again by Bilbo Baggins, yeah. but then I cross it out. And I liked that. Oh. I I liked that we got the brought in the monologue from the opening of the of the show or the of the episode. We see Matt, you know, putting his book away and and all of that. It was great. I I liked that. And then when it switched to the Lincoln Memorial. I kept I kept wanting to like it because I expected to, but it didn't. But you you did so. You, well, you, please I, tell I me I why you like more. It. Like draw one or two things that you just that really okay. didn't work for you in the final. Okay, that's scene. probably better anyway because then you can tell me why you liked it. We end, we end on, on happy thoughts instead of negative thoughts. So I I thought that the voiceover script was good when tom starts his voiceover kind of reflecting you know because at some point he he starts his his voiceover monologue and that was all good well scripted i liked it it was it gave perspective it gave hope it gave a um kind of some backstory or, or whatever it served as a nice epilogue right yep and I thought some of the shots that they chose as people were mingling around were a bit cheesy, but okay, whatever, you know. Uh, then Tom steps up to the podium and delivers his speech. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, Emily. I raved on Tom's speeches earlier in our episode today because I knew I was coming to this point. But the truth is, I have liked all of Tom's speeches. Yeah until this one and it's not that i didn't like this speech the more i thought about it it's not that i didn't like the speech i didn't like the way that it was either directed or edited or written i don't know who who to where to assign blame on this but tom steps up to the microphone and he says once upon a time there was a place called america and then there's this really long raucous applause people from we have we have aliens here we have people from all over the world here and of course a lot of americans here and they all go on and on like yeah america (laughs) and i'm thinking who gives a crap really once upon a time there was an america a place called america and I thought, is this how the show is going to end? Is this really going to be a show about how, how about big, a, how awesome America is? Is that the <laughs> walkaway lesson that we want to be taught here? Show or, or, written by Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> filmed in Canada. America. Uh, we get it. We get it. You know, the monologue or his speech then goes on to say something to the effect of, uh, we are, we were all, now there are no boundaries. We were all humans first. And he just keeps going on and on and on. That, when he said that, that should have been the place where he's interrupted with long applause and, and cheers. We're not America anymore. We are the world. We are the world. Sorry, it just came to me. Um, <laughs> we, we, we don't have boundaries anymore. This war brought us together stronger because of what unites us, which is our humanity. We don't see colors. We don't see nationalities. We don't see borders. We don't see these differences anymore. And I felt like that was completely lost. There was no emphasis. It was just one line in this speech. And so because of that, it, it didn't sit. Well, it didn't, I didn't feel like the series left with the message that it should have left with. You know, we, mm-hmm. we are not alone. We, we discovered we are not alone. That's the final words of the series. We discovered we are not alone. 
you discovered that the moment that the aliens showed up and started killing people. I mean, that again, not the final message that I wanted to hear from this show. We have had five years of great storytelling, great story arcs, uh, examinations of humanity and what it means to be family. And we're left with once upon a time, there was a place called America and we discovered we're not alone as our points of emphasis. And I could not have been more disappointed in those things. Sure. So that's my, that's my spiel. It's hard to argue with that. <laughs> so please again, negative hat off, putting it to the side. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, and I think, I think it can be read in a number of different ways. And I think you totally nailed one of them. And I think this speech seemed to, it's, it was like a back to basic speech, you know, like the, the idea of this episode is that we're reborn. The human race is reborn into this world. And now as they start to build up their civilization again, they're doing it with this mindset that they aren't alone. And that is what is going to make them different this time. So that, I mean, that, that's essentially what I took away sure, from it. But sure. I think what, what was really impactful for me was just for them to show or for, for Tom to acknowledge that we don't have these borders anymore. And then to go out from the Lincoln Memorial and just see all of these people gathered, you know, that was, I mean, I, I just, I just got chills again. <laughs> just like, it's just, this is such a cool thing to me. Cause we were talking, we were talking this season, just like how, what, what, what are country borders going to look like after this is all resolved, right, you know? Right. And, and this is exactly what I wanted. I wanted, I wanted to see humans unite over a common enemy, you know, yes. and, and to, and to, and to break down those barriers that have, that always seem to hold us apart just because, you know, this is, this, this land belongs to me. So I'm going to draw a line right here. And if you cross it, I'm going to chop your hand off, boy. Right. You know, we, we don't, I don't want that anymore. And, and I love that this episode, well, you know, I, I mean, it's not going to last, but <laughs> <laughs> falling, <laughs> falling skies, the movie, <laughs> a new alien race comes and draws lines. <laughs> but so, but I just, I just, I love leaving on that sentiment and, and that is what I'm okay with. And I, I didn't read too much into it being the last word that they said, but I think it, it is an important one to know. And it's, it's like, it's funny because we live here on this earth and even right now we're not alone. I mean, we're, we're sharing the same space with all of these people, seven billion, eight billion people. And <laughs> what was it, was it on this podcast that somebody was talking about? Like if you gave everybody, uh, like, two acres of land every single person in the world two acres of land in texas or is it two acres or two feet there would be, it would be a huge difference but everybody in the world would fit into texas yeah something something like that <laughs> something like that number but and it's yeah. just like when, when you think about that and not just like how big texas is but just like how much space there is in this world mm -hmm. if everyone could fit into texas yeah <laughs> it's it's ironic i should say because he says he leaves on this. We discovered we're not alone. Well, we're still not alone, but but it's it's almost like more inspiring to think about when you're not alone in the universe mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> to take care of what you have here. Yeah, you know, it's it's right. like the, it's like the same thing when you when you have a home that you open up to people. You know, you you take care of your home, you clean it up so that when people come over there, they'll see something that you have presented to them. You mm -hmm. know, I don't know. So I I. I, I, I felt the sentiment. <laughs> okay, so but my, my question here is any I any guess for how much time has passed? Uh because like I'll I'll clarify, because I like I can read Anne's 
pregnancy in two ways, you know, <laughs> like either the Dornia saved her and saved the child. That's the way or, I take it. Yeah. Yeah. Or they saved her and she got pregnant again at some point. Yeah. And I don't know. I, w- I don't know how pregnant she is at that point, maybe five months or something like That's that. That's what my guess was going to be. Yeah. But then again, how pregnant was she when she told Tom that she was pregnant? Was she a, a month along, two months along? So that's a good point. You know, if she's well, no, I yeah, I guess my 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 question is, do you think this is the same pregnancy? I do, I do. So my okay. guess is is two to two to three months have gone by since they killed the queen. Is that? What I just wish it had been longer. Yeah, I wish, I wish, it, I wish we would know how long it had been, and that they would have said one year later. Yeah, something like that. That would have been nice. I mean, obviously it wasn't a long period of time. Like a, it was definitely less than a year, less than 6 months even. But yeah. I don't know how how long. Oh boy. Yeah. All right. Any in their thoughts before we get into uh, listener feedback? No. We just need to jump right in. All right. So much to do. We're going to start out with we have a lot of audio, so I think we'll just bang through those and start out with Mark. Hey guys, Mark from Ontario, Canada here, calling in my feedback for the Falling Skies finale. Now before I get into the episode, I just want to thank you, Emily, and you, Daryl, for getting me into this show. I have really enjoyed Falling Skies. I've enjoyed following it with you guys. I didn't know about Falling Skies before you guys announced that you were doing Berserker Cast. I do want to thank you for introducing me to Falling Skies. I really did enjoy the entire series. Now as far as this finale goes, I think it was a good finale, We got a lot of closure on a lot of things that we've been wondering about. We know that they're going to live happily ever after or as much as they can. I was surprised that Ben survived. I thought with his spikes that he might have died whenever Tom killed the queen. I thought he would have Pardis Fenny in him and the spikes would blow or whatever and Ben would end up dying. But all the Masons did survive. I was disappointed with the whole Pope thing. I really thought there was no reason for him to come back at the end like that. He didn't redeem himself, and I just thought it was useless screen time. Now, there were a few things with the episode that I didn't quite care for. We found out that Hal chose Maggie, but after several seasons of watching this romance bloom, I was really disappointed with the quick proposal and acceptance that we got and then never heard anything else about it. So we got the answer we wanted, but I just didn't like the way it was delivered. I liked the way the queen looked in this episode, but I really didn't like the voice they used for her. It didn't seem menacing enough for the queen. Boy, and I know this was the done. last episode and they had to do something quick, but I really didn't like the way Tom ended up taking her out. I mean, I, it's believable. I can buy it, but I just, yeah, I thought it was a little anticlimactic and I really didn't like the fireworks exploding Isfeni in the sky. I don't understand how killing the queen could cause all the others to blow up like that. I would have understood if they just all of a sudden started dropping out of the sky dead. That would have made more sense to me than all these little exploding Sveni firework bug things. Now, there is one thing about this that I didn't like, and I know the, the, the reason they put it in there, but Tom and Weaver said that this was the most important mission they've ever gone on. They needed to do a surgical strike with an elite team to go after the queen. So why was Anne on this team? She is not an elite fighter. She had no place to be on this team. I question Matt being there as well, but he has proven himself recently. But as far as Anne goes, she had no place being on that team other than to get shot and for us to see that whole thing. And what's with this? Tom picks her up 
Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't they in another town or something set up before walking on Washington and taking the tunnels to get to the Lincoln Memorial? And then Tom picks up her body and walks all the way back there to where the Dorian ship is? That just didn't make sense to me. And in that final scene, I was really disappointed that it was just the Masons and Weaver up on the stage there. Why weren't Maggie and Dagon and even Anthony, why weren't any of those other people up on stage with them? Are they not as deserving as the Masons to be up there and be recognized? Anyways, I know I'm nitpicking here. Overall, I did enjoy this finale. I enjoyed it more than the past few episodes. This whole season was a little bit down for me compared to past, but I am happy with the story we got and the closure and knowing that the world's going to be a better place from this point forward. So thank you once again for the podcast, guys. It's been a lot of fun. It has been a lot of fun. You want to comment on any of that? I completely blanked on it. There there was so much... He hates all of my favorite things. <laughs> he had a pretty strong like, reaction. Okay, the voice of <laughs> yeah. the queen is Trisha Helfer. You can't not like Trisha Helfer as the queen. She's so menacing. <laughs> if if you had seen her character on BSG, you would get it. Yeah. Because it's like, you know. But, oh, crap. What was the last thing he was just talking? Oh, yeah. I thought everybody, everybody except for Dingan and Anthony were on stage with Tom and Weaver. I didn't make I mean, note of that. I'm not. I'm not real Maggie, clear. I know we saw yeah, them all. Cochise, but... Anne was up there. Hal was up there. Yeah. Matt was up there. They, they were all up there. So. Yeah. But yeah. Otherwise, you guys seem to be on the same page for a lot of things. <laughs> we did. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Mark. Let's hand it over to uh, Bonnie. Hello. This is Bonnie from Holbrook, Long Island, New York, leaving feedback for the series finale of Falling Skies. Longtime listener first-time caller. I had mixed feelings about the season in general. I felt that the narrative wandered and was rushed at the end. The trial was one of those wanderings and seemed a bit pointless. I gave the finale 7.5 Ishveni egg sacs. I felt the Ishveni's queen was a convenient plot device. It kind of negated all the fighting the humans did for the last five years. All we needed to do was kill the queen and poof, all the enemies die. Okay, Pope showed up. I was not surprised, but then again, there wasn't really a point to his resurrection. We almost lost Anne, but no, the Dornia came through. None of the Masons died. I was glad to see that Barb's prediction about Ben was incorrect. (laughs) At the end, it was nice to see everybody cleaned up and nicely dressed, kind of like the Survivor finale. I got my happy ending like I wanted, so yay. I've been following Golden Spiral Media since Fringe, and I want to thank you, Daryl and Emily, for your time and effort. So thanks again, and remember, unless you see a body, they ain't dead. <laughs> well said, Bonnie. Yeah. Thank you for calling in. I, I, I asked that. for new callers, didn't you I, did. last week? So thank you very much for... That makes me feel really And good. I want to thank Bonnie for pointing out that we did get a happy ending. I was really yes. negative Nelly there and, and did not even... Point out the fact that we did get the happy ending. We did get Earth with hope and new beginnings and the aliens eradicated. So thank you, Bonnie, for pointing that obvious thing out that I had completely failed to put in the notes. Yeah, no, very good point. Happy ending. Yes. (laughs) Chip would be happy too, I bet. Chip would be happy. (laughs) All right, let's move on to Alex. Hello, Daryl and Emily. Alex calling in for Berserker Cast on the season finale of falling skies i am not sure how to feel about this if i'm going to be totally honest i mean 
the entire series has been fantastic. It's been such a great concept. I mean, the alien invasion story has been done so many times and Spielberg's name is attached to it. And of course, everybody loves a good Spielberg story. So of course you give it a go. And the first four seasons were incredible. And the first half of the fifth season was very, very riveting, but it fell short of the mark. There were some things that were just out of place. I don't think the Skitter Factory needed to be in their whole episode dedicated to Riddingham. I don't think Pope needed to go on his rogue, one man alone thing in war against Tom. It wasn't necessary. I didn't like that the Dornier weren't explored more. I'm somebody who loves mythology in a, in a series, mm. uh, something that something that Lost, Fringe, and so many other TV shows done so well. And Falling Skies developed it very, very well. But the final season really didn't wrap up the mythology as well as I would like. But that's just my opinion. However, the character development has been phenomenal in this series. It's gone from strength to strength. You really see people coming together to fight a common adversary, to rid the planet of alien invaders, and everybody's overlooking each other's differences to come together to stop something bigger than them, which is such a good thing to see. And I'm all for character development. And that really rang true in the very last scene of the finale where Tom gave his New America speech, reflecting on the last world war, quote-unquote about how he realizes that we they all realize that we are not alone and that speech really really brought home that everybody just put aside their differences for the most part to come together they there were there were no borders in the end there were no differences everybody was the same and they won and it was fantastic but pope pope's character development was so good and then he fell short of the mark at the very end, and I'm sure everybody will agree with me because he was such a fantastic character, and it was such a shame to see him fall at the last hurdle and not be part of that last big push to get rid of the Isfini from the planet. So that was a shame. And why he showed up in the last episode for no more than about a minute and a half, I don't know. He wasn't needed there. He really gave nothing to that scene, I don't think. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, anybody else, but he didn't bring anything else to that episode that improved it at all, apart from just to show his face, maybe for, maybe for Pope fans, maybe to, to, to make them happy. I'm not sure. But if that was their plan all along for him to finally still catch Tom at the very end, then why didn't they not kill him off in the penultimate episode and give them, give the fans the big Tom and Pope fight that they were hoping for that they wanted maybe that they didn't want and it, that would have been that would have given a greater impact on the show it would have been just cathartic really to finally get all that tension released in one big fight but at the same time it could have been avoided and he could have been part of the group's final push to rid the planet but alas he wasn't and I'm disappointed, to say the least. So I give the entire series 8 out of 10 fish heads. And I give the last episode a strong 7 out of 10 magic bullets. 
because it could have been so much better. And I'm sure everybody would agree with me on that. But that's not to say that it wasn't a good episode because it was. And the writers have done incredibly well to tell such a fascinating story that was rich and full and really enjoyable to watch. So thank you very much for the podcast as well. I'm neither loving nor hating this episode, but it really, really wrapped up the nice character moments for the entire series. And that's what I liked about it. So thank you very much, guys. Yeah, good stuff from Alex. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Alex. I think he was just, uh, he'd forgotten about season five and just caught up in the last couple of weeks. If this is the same Alex. It is. Yes. He, he did mention, I, I cut a little bit. It was pretty long and I cut a little bit out where he talked about how he had binged it all here at the end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I love your voice, Alex, by the way. <laughs> I could listen to it. So whenever you want to call in again. <laughs> uh, I could talk British for you if you like me to. Okay. That's like, it's like, uh, not, no. No? Just, no. I think I sounded just like him, didn't I? No. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thanks, Alex. Apparently, you sound yeah, differently you. than I do. <laughs> Who knew? All right. Who knew? Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's move on to Justina. Hi, Meryl and Emily. This is Justina calling in from Berserker Cast. I give this episode 10 out of 10 glowing baby overlord eggs. So you asked us to tell you our reactions, and my first reaction was I cried at the beginning of the episode because it is the end. I really like that they used the drawings at the beginning of this episode just the same as the drawings they used at the beginning of the pilot. I thought that was a nice bookend. I wanted to share with you my first memory of Falling Skies since Golden Spiral Media wasn't covering it at that time. I was at the movie theater to see the first summer blockbuster of the season, though I admit I cannot remember what movie I was there to see. When the theater went dark, I saw the symbol for Amblin Entertainment and the name Steven Spielberg, and that sound, um, <laughs> filled the whole theater on all sides. I felt completely surrounded. I thought, this is going to be a great movie. I wonder when it's coming out. After 30 seconds, I knew I had to see it. Then TNT and Sunday came on the screen, and I got even more excited. <laughs> because instead of a two-hour movie, I was going to be treated to a weekly adventure that was out of this world. Falling Skies got even better for me when Berserker Cast started. I loved hearing what other people thought about the show every week. I was never able to attend the live show on Tuesday, but I want to thank you, Daryl and Emily, for making my Wednesdays in the summer out of this world. I wonder if they'll ever make a movie or write a companion novel so that we can explore some of these alien races that we've been introduced to for the last five years a little bit more thoroughly. I would be interested in something about the Volm or the Dornia. I think that would be cool. So bye for now. Thank you for taking me on such a wonderful journey. Cool story. Yeah. I, Very I, cool I don't story. remember where I was the first time I, I heard about Falling Skies. I was in my living room watching TV, but I don't know what I was watching. So that's a cool story. Yeah. yeah that's it's so like I have that with a lot of things, though, like 
the last time I wore this t-shirt, I was, <laughs> you know, so I, but like that sound, there's, there's not going to be anything like that sound. Yeah. It's gonna, yeah. it's gonna remind me of all the best parts of the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I want to say thank you to you, Justina, for calling in and, and, or writing in regularly. You were a, a great part of this show too. So yes. thank you for that. Thank you. thank you for the contributions that you made. All right. Let's move on to Mike. All hail the mighty Doniapus, she who gave us the MacGuffin that remains tantalizingly out of reach for reasons of dramatic tension. And may we all die a pointless death so that we may take our turn in her watery embrace. And remember the lesson of the Pope, who was here and then was not, and finally was here one last time, to forgive the Mason his transgressions, whatever they may have been. Seriously, if they hadn't shown Pope's death, in quotes, again, at the beginning of this episode, his resurrection might have been less believable than Anne's. And speaking of Anne, why did anyone other than Tom have to go to the Lincoln Memorial? There are two female leads on this show, so let's make one of them agree to get married and the other reveal she's pregnant. Ugh. Oh, wait, we introduced a third female? Well, forget, forget about her. She's less important than Marty. Remember Marty? I'll always remember Marty. He was a danged hero. And the rest of the characters? Well, they were extras at this point. How does Marty get two minutes of screen time as he dies to show us the futility of war? While all Hal gets is a cheesy marriage proposal and a Star Wars Episode Four throne room drama shot. I really wanted to like this finale. I wanted it to feel clever and epic and awesome, but it didn't feel that way to me. It felt like all of the takeout had been eaten in the writer's room and they were happy to underline it and call it done. I hope Daryl and Emily can make me like it better. They usually do. Speaking of, what are you two doing next? I hope you're going to do another podcast together. I don't really care what it's about. If you two are talking about it, I guarantee I'll find it interesting. Anyway, this is Mike from the Numbered City signing off for the last time. That was fantastic. That was awesome. Yeah, well, at I least really how, unlike Chewbacca, got a little recognition in the uh, in the awards ceremony. Oh man, my face! <laughs> <laughs> Just grinning like a fool over here. Uh, uh, well, I don't think we like we. I don't think I did. I don't think I I did anything to help you like it better. Mike, I don't, Probably maybe not. I did, but Emily might have. Well, I don't know. I, I feel like even though, even if we both have really negative reactions to a show, I always feel better after talking about it. Yeah. You know, like, it's therapeutic. I, I don't hate it <laughs> quite as much. <laughs> yeah. That's only, only like, I, I just, uh, there was like one or two, like the one that I rated really low yeah. this season. You know, I was just dreading getting on the mic and talking about it, but afterward I was fine. Mm-hmm. So I, that's, that's all I'm looking for. Hopefully we did at least that for you. I Mike. hope so. And we don't have anything <laughs> Thank else you planned. So much uh, the next thing Emily and I have planned oh, yeah. together is Dragon Con later this week. Dragon yeah um i don't know we've been talking about there needs to be something that we do together but it's going to be probably at least until next summer before that happens right so tune back in next summer see what we're doing yeah just make sure that you're you're staying connected with the golden spiral media world you know follow us on uh, facebook.com slash golden spiral media gsm podcasts on twitter um, mm-hmm. sign up for our mailing list over on our website, which I rarely do anything with, but I, I keep hoping that I will, uh, cause it's a great way to keep people informed. I'm just terrible at emails, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll do something at some point. We'll see. All right. Thank you, Mike. Let's move on to Barb. Hi, Emily and Daryl. This is Barb calling in for the series finale of Falling Skies. 
I'm giving this epi 8.75. Emily is thrilled because Ben lives. <laughs> and I'm giving the overall series nine histories of the last world war by those who fought it. Although maybe it should be the first universe war. Hmm. <laughs> I might have to rename that book when I get it. Unfortunately, I was partially spoiled going into the finale as I had looked through all the Falling Skies auction items and had deduced a few things. I knew that Tom, Matt, Ben, and Weaver would all live. I knew Anne was alive and pregnant. And I knew that Matt would write a significant book about the end of the war. I also knew that Pope would be back, but I think we all knew that. So the very emotional scene when Anne dies annoyed me on the first watch because I knew she would be alive and wearing a blue maternity dress. Mm. Fortunately, I watched it again tonight, Monday, and simply settled in for the story as opposed to the ending, and I really liked it. We knew Marty was going to be a red shirt, and it was great to see how Weaver had changed his opinion of Marty to someone that he would not forget. The second mass sitting around the campfire at night, not knowing what they would face the next day, was also poignant. It made sense that Anne would be panicky in the tunnels with the Asphini eggs as she went through the emotions of seeing the umbilical cords, having just watched faux Lexi die, and knowing that she was pregnant again. She was probably wondering if they would survive the war and have the opportunity to be a real family without fear of the Asphini. Anne's death then became the emotional scene that it was meant to be, and the room got dusty for me. Tom had to be the one to kill the Dornia Queen. This was his journey. And then the world needed to move on. I'm guessing the final scene we saw was roughly three to four months after the final battle. While some may say that the survivors should be spending all their time rebuilding, it is important in the midst of difficulty to celebrate those milestones of forward movement, to look forward with hope for the future. There were two things that take a bit more than a hand wave. The first was the revenge motive of the Asphini Queen. I thought that was weak, and the writers could have woven a bit more into the mythology um, uh, 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 of this, including the importance of the Nazca lines, but perhaps that ended up on the cutting room floor. The other complaint was about Pope showing up at the end. I really didn't care for how his story arc ended and how it progressed this season. He was a pain. But he then seemed to feel that the Masons were family, and then he completely twisted off. I almost wondered if Pope was an alien hallucination as Tom waited for the Dornia to return Anne to him. I would have traded that time for the Asphini mythology, but we got what we got. Emily and Daryl, I'm glad you guys convinced me to binge-watch Falling Skies and join you on this journey two years ago. I have enjoyed it, and I hope you will podcast together again soon. You guys are a great team. The battleship USS Missouri was taken out of service, and its home is now Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. On this ship in Tokyo Harbor on September 2, 1945, the Japanese signed the Instrument of Surrender, officially ending World War II. General Douglas MacArthur ended the surrender ceremony with these words, It is my earnest hope, and indeed the hope of all mankind, that from this solemn occasion, a better world shall emerge out of the blood and carnage of the past, a world dedicated to the dignity of man and the fulfillment of his most cherished wish for freedom, tolerance, and justice. This is Barb signing out. Thank you, and good night. Yeah, good stuff, Barb. And hey, that's two requests in a row. I haven't listened to any of these feedbacks. So this is great. Uh, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't know there was going to be another one of these requests of us uh, to do something else together. But 
Same response as before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we really appreciate yeah. you, Barb. You have been a huge part of yes. this podcast from the very beginning. So thank you so much for, there are so many times when I go, her, her feedback was so much more concise than anything I said. She needs to just take over. <laughs> my thought when I'm listening to that is maybe she gave Mike what he was looking for to, to walk yeah. away with a more positive impression of the episode. It certainly did me. And I, I appreciate that, Barb. Yep. Thank you. All right, let's move on to Judy. Hello, citizens of Earth. This is Chechi Judy, the Polish blonde in central Massachusetts, Worcester, bringing you my final thoughts, my notes, and everything on the series finale of Falling Skies. The episode was entitled Reborn. It had a great opening. It brought it right back to the premiere episode. But there was an eerie juxtaposition with the singing of America the Beautiful and the dogfight with the Hornet Skitters. Interesting that Tom says the second mass is why he fights. Wasn't the Walton's episode supposed to have reminded Tom about why he was fighting so the human race can go back to living and not fighting for existence anymore? Anybody else think that it was strange that they all sat around a campfire out in the open after the battle with the hornets? I don't know about you, but with them icky bugs around, I wouldn't spend much time outdoors unless I had to. Anthony. Sounded like he was regressing when he stated he was here to fight, not babysit. Flip-flop, Anthony. Flip-flop. I like Ben's line in response to Tom's comment. Noah Fenny cards. He says, don't jinx it. Right on, Ben. Right on the nose. And what a time for Anne to tell Tom she's pregnant again. It was really, really creepy with the ultrasound pulse sound going on whenever the Eshveni eggs were glowing red. Okay, now a couple of nitpicks. Why was the queen a spider? The rest of the Eshveni are bipedals. It was really cool to recognize the voice of Trisha Helfer, Six from Battlestar Galactica. Did you pick up on the Battlestar Galactical shout-out? We followed our own prophecy. When Tom infected the Queen and she blew up, I would have thought the embryos would have exploded first, then the overlords and the skitters and the hornets. Did anybody else notice that the exploding Eshveni sounded like distant fireworks? On to Anne. I could understand not noticing at first that she was injured, but seriously, she's a doctor. She should have called for help and a med kit much sooner. She had a baby to protect, after all. Pope, disappointed that he showed up again. Real disappointed. The scene was an even bigger flip-flop than Anthony has been all season. I did like the final scene. That gave us a glimpse of hope that for this reality to continue and build a better world. Last of all, loved the ending credits. I am pretty sure that that was every name of everyone who ever was involved in this show. The graphics were perfect, each name adding a bit to the title, Falling Skies. This was a great episode. I give it 9 out of 10 stars in Orion's Belt. This is Chuchy Judy signing off. Excellent. You know, Emily and I watched the the uh, screener that was sent out to us. So uh, I was just thinking, I, I did not get to see. We that. didn't now get I the closing to... credits on that. I'm going to well, have to go find that. I think I I rewatched it on Xfinity, and I I I just I never watch closing credits. Yeah. I shut 
I shut it off always before that. So I usually watch via the TNT website that I get through my cable provider, and I didn't do that this time because we had the screener. But uh, that's cool. I'll have to go check that out with the closing credits. Uh, Some other positive uh, things that we hadn't really talked about. So thank you, Judy, for that. Thank you for that, Judy. Very well put. Mm -hmm. Oh, she makes an excellent point about Anne, you know, allowing herself to bleed out like that. Number one, because she was a doctor. Number two, because she had a baby that she needed to be protecting. That was not a very Anne-like decision for her to have made. I'm sure she, for for a while, she just thought that she could make it, you know. Let, let's get all the important stuff done. With sure. I'm about. sure that's what she was thinking. But, and somebody else earlier, you know, when I think it was you that mentioned, you know, if, if this was a razor type of approach, why was Anne even there? And somebody else mentioned, Hey, well, if she had been carrying a bag full of medical supplies, then it would have, that would have, you know, given all the reason that we needed. I think that that might've been some, yeah. some chat that we that had in the chat room. Bonnie? Was that Bonnie? Well, I was, uh, it was early, early. It was in the chat room that I saw that. Um, Oh yeah, but one of the feedbackers said it too. Yeah, that's true. But uh yeah. Maybe yeah. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Judy. Yep, thank you indeed. All right, and the last audio is from Martin. Hey guys, Martin here. Just wanted to get in a quick uh call to you before you guys go to air tonight, hopefully. I wish I had been with you guys along this whole season and all all five years of Falling Skies. I love it. it. It's a space alien invasion show. There's not enough of that on TV. Sci-fi is my favorite genre. Should have been with you guys for this whole ride. But uh, anyway, I'm just I'm just feeling let down. As much as I love the show uh, and I love the characters, uh, the, the two older brothers being my favorite characters, I'm just feeling let down by what they're doing and how this finale happened. Um, they just had... And it's kind of been a... a to me, something they've done every single season is they raise the bar, raise the stakes with the, this great big introduction. Oh my God, there's a brand new mech alien or, Oh, look at there's overlord. And it just, it never pans out. Everything always just seems to fizzle. They never seem to answer it with the season premiere or whatever with, with something that feels fulfilling. Like, I don't know. And that, and especially this season, um, I don't know. They just, they, they've got way too many things open and weren't able to answer everything, give us enough resolution and make us feel good. And especially the queen. She was cool at first, but the more and more you saw her, I like, she doesn't look as funny as all at all. How does a spider creature create 20 foot tall overlords out of from birthing them and eggs? There's no relation there. It was just underwhelming. Uh, she looked more like the monster from the, uh, Attack on Titan live action movie previews than is funny to me. And it just, like I said, underwhelming. It, she was there. They introduced her. She traps Tom. She stabs him in the chest, starts sucking his blood. He grabs the pill, throws it at her. Boom. She's gone. It, like very, very uneventful climactic scene, I think. And uh, again, I'm feeling let down. Um, the whole episode, you know, and they're, they're sneaking through the tunnels trying to get to her. And looks like a bunch of eggs with a bunch of baby aliens inside. Hmm. Kind of like a movie called Aliens. I wonder where they got that idea from. And what, a baby alien shoots out, kills the one guy, scrambles around, they fire their guns, and it's done. That sequence is over. Move on. I, I don't know. It's just that I was expecting a massive two-hour finale and not a 44-minute episode where they just couldn't fit everything in, couldn't answer it. I liked the ending. It was a good speech by Tom. 
I like seeing everybody there alive and happy. Uh, I didn't like Pope's little comeback. I was hoping he was done. That's again, I agree with you, a character that they've just ruined this season. Anyway, that's my quick feelings, guys. Can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. All right. Thanks, Martin. I think we feel pretty much the same way. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Reiterating a lot of the same sentiments, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got some written feedbacks to uh, to cover. Would you like to get us kicked off or shall I? I can go for it. All right. All right. The first one comes in from Ganon. Well, this is it. The end. Been a long time. And while personally, I think and hoped it would have got longer, I'm grateful to have watched such a fun and amazing show starting all the way back in 2011. Overall, I think the episode was good. Yes, it could have been better, but at the end of the day, I got the closure I wanted instead of just fizzling out up and out of nowhere getting canceled. The deaths, uh, Marty, Wolf, Pope, and Anne were actually all very well done, and I was very touched by everyone. The battle, or lack thereof, at Lincoln Memorial was a bit disappointing, a bit anticlimactic. I never felt, besides Tom, that the second mass after taking out the hatchlings were any, in any real danger. It would have been better when everyone was around Anne, Skitters, Hornets, Skitterized Humans, and Overlords surrounded them and put out one final stand. Mm-hmm. It would have had more impact and tension for our other heroes and been more rewarding when the queen was killed that everyone else witnessed that. Mm. A, wow. I would think I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Uh, the queen scenes were great, though. I know some people may have had a problem with the way they invaded Earth, but I loved it. I It felt very Spielberg with it being personal and not just some cliche thing of they're here for our water or we're here because our planet died, blah, blah, blah. I, uh, been there, done that, but for a story of revenge, it was great. Plus she looked pretty wicked. (laughs) Yes, she did. Anne's resurrection was a bit tacky, but in the end I was okay with it. If she had died, so be it. I would have been fine with that, but the decision they made, I was fine with as well. Seeing Pope one final time, even though many people had a problem with him this season, which I get, I didn't. Uh, Pope has always been the dark side of Tom Mason. As much as I wanted to see a true redeemable story with him, I appreciated his end. I couldn't help but get a little choked up when he took his final breath. (laughs) I think you're alone there, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Good or bad, I always liked Pope and thought his end was fitting. I'd compare this episode to season four episode Saturday Night Massacre. I was disappointed by the lack of battle in that episode too, but the deaths and emotions made up for it. I think the same thing for this episode, too. Not only the deaths, but the ending. Uh, seeing every character have closure and reaching the end was absolutely satisfying for me. Maggie and Hal, together forever. Forever. <laughs> Matt becoming the sort of John Connor of the future. Dingon and Anthony getting an end of happiness. Cochise, Shaq. Yes, that was Shaq with them confirmed in an inter- interview. Oh, good to know. Okay. Uh, and the Volm look to be staying on Earth. United together to rebuild Earth uh, together was great. Also seeing Ben with the Volm seemed fitting, and all the other characters, Weaver, Weaver, Isabella, and of course Tom and Anne, finally at peace and can truly start a family together. The song, The Halocline by Hippocampus, was perfect. I was looking for that song. Okay, so The Halocline, H-A-L-O, Halocline maybe, H-A-L-O-C-L-I-N-E by Hippocampus. That was the song they played at the end there. Uh, to reflect, the season has been, uh, the season in general was good, not great overall as a show, but I loved it. Uh, a show I'll miss dearly. If I had to look back on the show and rate it, uh, rate it from best to worst, and this is seasons, he rates them as season four, season two, season five, season one, and season three. Wow, season five is. 
In the middle, Third, yeah. Huh? I'm surprised by that, too. Me, too. I would say season one was epic mm-hmm. for me. Me, too. And the episode he gives seven out of ten exploding queens. <laughs> Thank you, Daryl and Emily, for being such great hosts and for a terrific podcast and all the other listeners. It's been great hearing from everybody and their opinions on the show. I'll miss this podcast and good luck to you guys in the future on other podcasts. This is Gannon signing off for the last time. Thank you and thank you, TNT, for such a great show. Long live the second mass. <laughs> See, that's a good ending right there. I'm pumped there up now. You, go. <laughs> you know, I, I really thought that this was a good point where he says, it would have been so much more rewarding had everybody been around when Tom finally killed the queen. Yeah. I and because I I thought it was so tacky the way Ben <laughs> walks into his dad and and Tom's just kind of sitting there on the step and he goes, "It worked, son." <laughs> it was just like, you know, yeah. giving himself a little pat on the it back. It was anticlimactic. <laughs> I mean, it really was. And and I love the idea where he said they're surrounded, it looks like they're in for, and then Tom kills the queen. That would have been great. That would have been great. And there is a death for Anne I could <laughs> yeah. <laughs> believe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Gannon, thank you again for all your contributions yes. and, and uh, for this one. And uh, we, we appreciate your kind words. All right, this one comes in from Brian. He says, I think the best thing about this episode was the title credits at the end. Seriously, though, uh, it wasn't a bad ending, but the season as a whole was still a letdown. All that advertising about the final battle and all it ended up being was Tom giving the queen a suppository with the rest of the group nowhere to be found until it was too late. I'm not sure what we got from Anne's death and resurrection and Pope just miraculously showing up on the beach and later dying just didn't make any sense except to give him another chance to make a soliloquy. No one died except for Pope and Marty. Big shocker there. <laughs> and it just seemed a bit too wrapped up, all tidy, just like Anne's dress. Or what was the point of the baby Ishfini? It seemed like a big budgetary move. Still, the episode had its moments. I enjoyed it. I just probably would have written something else. Okay, enough of the trash talk. Despite all that, I give this episode 8.5 preparation H's. I'm still a sucker for all things apocalyptical. I always enjoyed the acting on Falling Skies, and this one had some good scenes. I'm also so glad Hal picked Maggie and that she said yes. Hooray. Thanks for the great podcast. You guys were often better than the show you covered. Brian from Fear the Walking Dead. Talk through podcast it's my own podcast and i can't say it <laughs> thanks brian <laughs> thanks brian uh well it's you know it's if we've heard from brian a couple times this season yeah. and he has expressed his dislike for the season as well so it's encouraging to see that he gave it 8.5 mm-hmm. out of 10 indeed but, yeah i'm a sucker for all things apocalyptical too so all right next one comes in from becky Hi, Emily and Daryl. On the whole, I liked the last episode. I liked that the episode started like the first episode with the drawing of the kids. I really liked the look of the eggs and the queen. Uh, the biker deserved to be killed when he wanted to see what he <laughs> looked like inside the egg. We don't need stupid people repopulating the earth. <laughs> Amen, Becky. <Yes>. Amen. <laughs> Although I really liked Anne, I think it would have been more emotionally impactful and also more realistic if she had stayed dead. We agree mm-hmm. with you there, definitely. As I feared, Pope's death was very unsatisfying, but at least he gave up his vengeance at the very end. 
P.S. Did you get anything at the auction? I got a few small things. You can't just say you got a Becky, few small things say, and not tell us what they what were. <laughs> Come on, Becky. Yeah. You got you to write us if in you, and tell us. Right. Or if, if you uh, follow us on Facebook, post it to our Facebook page and we yeah. will share that because that would be awesome. Well, especially when you, when you receive yeah, the yeah. objects, take some pictures. That'd be so cool. That would be cool. And I already covered that, so I, I won't rehash my story that Emily spoiled twice. All right. I like to spoil things. And lastly, we got this in from Ian. And by the way, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Ian made a nice drawing uh, or artwork of the Mason men. He also has one sitting in my Twitter feed right now. We are not alone. The little galaxy spiral looking pin that they were wearing at the end. Oh, really? He's made some artwork of that too. So thank you for that, Ian. Uh, he says, sorry if this is a little too late, but I have only just watched the final episode in the UK. Would you like for me to do this in my British voice, Emily? No. Please. I gave it 9.5 alien glowing aliens. You sound like you're dying. (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) Are you dying? No, I'm not. I just need some spam. Uh, He says, I gave it 9.5 glowing alien egg sacks. Although it may not have been snacks. Huh? What? I thought it said egg snacks. (laughs) Well, if you're so inclined, Uh, although it may not have been, the all-out war and action fest we might have been asking for. It was satisfying on first viewing, although that may change on second watch. I didn't dislike how they handled the end of the Pope storyline, but as I think nearly everyone has said so far this year, it wasn't really necessary in the final season. It didn't really seem to fit. I would have liked to have seen more interaction during the year with the queen, but I guess there wasn't enough money to be able to make a big CGI character the prime focus of the season. I'm more than happy to have found Falling Skies almost by accident, as it was never originally aired in the UK, and I think only the first season was broadcast later on a major channel. I actually binge-watched the first three seasons at around the same time you started the Berserker cast, so it was perfect timing for me. So... I need to say a big thanks for all your efforts with the podcast. Anyway, I'm going to sleep well, knowing the earth is again safe and sound, and look up to the skies to see if I can see any Ashfini popping fireworks. And that's from Ian. <laughs> Thank you, Ian, for that. And uh, <laughs> we appreciate your uh, your contributions to this podcast and to the fandom. I mean, you are uh, yes. a great uh, sci-fi fan. We, we're glad to, to be friends with you. So all of you that sent in feedback, whether you were uh, like Bonnie and this was your first time or you're you write in most weeks like uh, Justina and Barb and so many others did, we're so grateful for the contributions yes. you have made. This podcast has been better because of you and i mean that sincerely and and oh emily probably does too absolutely yeah no it's like half of the fun what daryl and i always say is that we would be having this conversation anyway even if nobody was listening but it just makes it so much more fun when we get the interaction and we get the the opposing viewpoints because you know sometimes you just get caught up in and too much the way you think yourself and just being able to have this array of people from all over the world who have contributed has been so fantastic. So thank you all for, <laughs> for bearing through the, the final season of falling skies. That is, it's been awesome. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Are you ready for some, shall we get Twitter in poll? some Twitter? Yeah. Let's get into some Twitter. Well, I, I asked a little bit of an open question this week because 
we have a lot of questions still at the end of Falling Skies. So my question was, what burning questions in your mind were left unanswered? We got some really funny ones. So let's see. Uh, we'll start with Brooke. Okay, she says, uh, this is Heretic Rick. What's up with the Volm? Why couldn't they help anymore? What's the deal with the Dornia being in another reality, etc.? <laughs> And then she responds back again and says, I have all sorts of questions about what was going on behind the scenes with the last two seasons. Someone interview a writer. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, apparently the Dornia weren't on another plane of reality. I don't think we ever addressed that. Yeah, apparently not. My, my <laughs> prediction was way off. Just turns out that there's only one left. And yeah. That's why they couldn't help. I guess. Uh, let's see. Monroe Harden says, so what happened to Pope? I expected to see him all cleaned up in the crowd at the end. Oh, that would have been hilarious to see him in the crowd at the end. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, he died. Yep. He, I think, well, we're predicting he did. Yeah. He did. Uh, okay. Tanger 14 says, the Dornia. I wonder what happened to the last surviving Dornia. Oh, and on rematch, definitely rewatch, definitely happier. Okay. Alex Romat says, uh, what happened to the Dornia and what was with Pope's last appearance or even got Lincoln's head back on neatly? <laughs> I noticed that too. The rest of it's still kind of in shambles a little bit, but they got Lincoln all pieced back together. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lincoln is important. He is. Kick the table says, is the, is the Dornia still sending Tom visions? Next Tuesday you will be out of milk and we'll have to have black <laughs> coffee. <laughs> nice. Uh, Solo Talk Media says, my biggest question is what will happen with the Dornia? Plus, will the Volm ever find their females? <laughs> uh, Justina says, what will happen to Cochise? Mm, good one. Mm -hmm. And finally, Zort70 says, main question is, are the Dornia and the Volm staying on Earth? Second question, are we going to Guam? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, another lost reference. Never, never too many of those. Yeah, you know, I think I would I would agree with these people that I think the Dornia is probably at the top of my unanswered questions Definitely, list. yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I, I'm actually with Ian. Those are my two biggest questions. What's going to happen with the Dornia? What's going to happen with the Volm? They're welcome. As long as they're going to be peaceful, I I, I don't think they're yeah. going to be shipped off anywhere. But I, I, I think they... I mean, the Dornia, she says she's the only one, so I don't know what, what to do there. But the Volm, we know yeah. that they had some hatchlings out there they were protecting and stuff like that. And you would certainly like to see them get reunited because it feels so good. Right. And now that their number one enemy has been defeated, mm -hmm. they, they have the freedom to do whatever they want. So yeah. undoubtedly allies, but I don't know. It'll be, I, I hope that they do some sort of follow up. You know, not not like a movie or whatever, but maybe like a like they're doing with um, Revolution, a comic book or no, graphic novel. Those were terrible. They were. Oh, bummer. It was. It started good. The ending was. There's a reason Jeremy and I okay, haven't podcasted I... about it. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. I take that all back. I, I I I should I should never ask for more when something had a solid ending. Like there, this, this was a definite line in the sand where they're saying, <laughs> this is how it has ended. So yeah, whereas, but Indeed. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you to everyone yeah. who participated in the Twitter poll over the last couple of years. Uh, it's been, it's been a lot fun. of fun. Well, we you encourage know. you first again, we want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Even if you never wrote in or called in or participated in the, in the Twitter poll, we appreciate your participation by listening 
and we thank you for that. And if you want to check out more of what we're doing here at Golden Spiral Media, we've got a whole bunch of podcasts this fall. As far as what's new, we have Emily is doing a Supergirl podcast with Karen. I think that'll be super. That'll be pretty super. We already have Fear the Walking Dead. Brian wrote in, and uh, that that is going on right now. That's part of our uh, The Walking Dead talk through feed. So if you already subscribed to that, you're getting Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, we also have a new movie podcast heading your way that uh, I'm not quite ready to reveal just quite yet, but uh, it, it'll be great. So, uh, and then Doug and I will be back in the spring or the in the mid season with uh, more person of interest. But uh, hope you'll join us for all that stuff. So, that's it. Emily, any parting words from you? I just hope that when I die, I stay dead. <laughs> Well, okay. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> dead is dead. Dead is dead. Okay, well, until next time, I think I'll go find some crayons and make some pretty pictures. And for the last time, this is Emily signing off and saying, I have finally discovered that we are not alone. 